the Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night. All day. That, that one's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you never know until you try. Yeah. You know, you can't, can't like hate the a guy pills. for trying. Yeah. Exactly. This motherfucker and his dick pills. You believe this guy? I took two different brands last week. Why not go to a doctor and tell him your dick is broke? <laughs> because it's not broken. He will give you amazing <laughs> drugs. Oh, I'm not saying that it's broken. Yeah, but I'm don't saying they tell te- the doctor it's broken. Do they have a test, though? Like, does he rub it uh, and go yeah. like, you're lying? He sucks your cock for five minutes. And if you can think of dead puppies for five minutes, then he'll give you the pills. <laughs> yeah, they can't say no, can they? There's, not, there's no way for them to test Of course that. they can't say no. no. They, they, they don't want to say no. They stimulate your prostate with a large... Three finger death grip, and then if you get hard, oh, they don't whatever. give you the pill. <laughs> I'm yeah. there. They um, <laughs> they can't obviously. Right. I mean, no. you just they're gonna take your word for it. Why would you say that you can't get hard if you could get hard? Well, you wouldn't lie about that, would you? Hmm. They don't. Nobody breaks their dick with that stuff, do they? Can you possibly like break it so that you like you can't get a boner without it? You know how like some dudes they get yeah. addicted to those sinus sprays. Mm-hmm. You know, if you pump yeah, sinus the, the, pro- yeah, the biggest is... problem is a psychological addiction. You know, oh. like back when we were selling the rock hard that worked back at Fleshlight because it had Viagra or Cialis in it or whatever it had in it. I don't know. Um, but back when it worked, there was people who would take it and they'd get, you know, they'd start off with a girl, right? And they'd be hooking up with a girl and they'd be like, oh, my God, you're a God among men. And then they'd get that in their oh. head. And then if they didn't have it, you know they would start to panic, and then their brain would start to take oh, action. As wow. soon as the brain gets activated in the sexual act, Isn't it you're crazy? Screwed. Isn't it crazy how different you can get excited for one girl over another? Like, there are some girls, and we all know them in your life, where when you're around them, it's just like instant flagpole. Mm-hmm. And then there's other girls where it's just, just for whatever reason, yeah. they can look just as pretty, they can be just as nice, they can be just as attractive, but there's some... Freak connection you have with I think certain it's the people. Smell. I think it's pheromones. the juice. Really? Do you think so? Pheromones. Yeah, I think so. I, well, I same think... thing. Really, what you're saying is kind of true. Like the juice. Yeah. They're, they're, the they're essence. <laughs> the jus of them. The jus. Au jus. Is that what you say? What is that French dip? They say au jus. Is that what's called? Au jus. I never knew how to say that. They've done some experiments. I know it on the other way where they've had like guys sleep in the same shirt for you know, a few weeks or whatever, and then they have girls smell the shirts, and they'll be very attracted to one shirt and completely repulsed by another shirt just by smelling the actual pheromones in it. Well, I would lose that one, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) I fucking stink, man. I'm going down. (laughs) I eat too much meat. It's all coming out my pores and shit. I don't know. I've some smelled of, some of my clothes. Some savage girls. My uh, gen- the worst is jujitsu because you take your you, you sweat so much and then t- you take your shit off and you throw it in your gym bag and yeah. then you throw your gym bag in a trunk where it cooks. Yeah. Because it's 110 degrees in LA, so you're driving around with your gym bag cooking in the trunk, and then you pop that bitch open and unzip it and it's just like ammonia and funk and. And that's where there's a lot of skin diseases that people get from that stuff because they don't wash those things enough. And you're essentially you're rolling around in microbes and bacteria and shit. And the worst part is not when it's fresh. Like fresh sweat is not that right. bad. Same exactly. as fresh urine. You can drink your own fresh urine all the time. <laughs> Believe <but> you leave... <laughs> me, I know. <laughs> but if you leave a cup of that urine out for a day or so, don't fucking drink that. That's poison. I would because agree with it, you. it's like a breeding ground for further bacteria. Same with your gym clothes. I would agree that sound advice. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Don't Speaking drink old piss. Urine, I think I'm. <laughs> that should be a, a meme. That's the next don't meme. But piss. you, uh, Uncle Aubrey says, don't drink <laughs> old piss. <laughs> Hear it on it. We don't recommend drinking your own <laughs> piss when it's Stir old. It. Stir it. So first. I'm thinking of trying to do an Amanita muscaria experience, <clears throat> and I'm thinking I'm going to eat it and then drink my piss and see what's up. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I would say no. Let's say don't do it. Yeah. No? Let's say don't do Why? it. Just try it once and then... <laughs> I gotta try it. I've tried everything else. For for real, folks, this is In the a... shamanic tradition. I know you're listening to this and you're like, there's no way these guys are serious. No, the true shamanic tradition is, mm-hmm. it was explained to me uh, by uh, this guy Jack Herrer, and he said that the idea is that you you eat the, the, the drug, the plant, Mushroom, muscaria, which yeah. has a very different. It's not psilocybin. It's no. some other type of. You're, what you're shooting for is muscimol. You mm. shoot the active compound is muscimol, and what it acts on a very different mechanism. Actually, yeah. So the mechanism of action of Amanita muscaria, it actually acts as a GABA agonist. So it's going to give you more of the neurotransmitter GABA, whereas mm. psilocybin, the mechanism of action that they're recently finding, which I learned a lot about at the MAPS conference, is mechanism of action of psilocybin is it's actually restricting blood flow to your default mode network part of your brain, which is your top-down control mechanism in your brain, so that you're basically your mental cerebral filter that allows you to focus on the day-to-day mundane tasks starts to go to sleep. And that happens to be the center that controls depression and a bunch of other things, which is why the clinical application is proving so important and impressive in, in all these people. But that's a totally different mechanism of action than the Amanita muscaria, which is basically flooding your brain with more GABA, from what I understand. But the muscimol is a tricky beast, and it doesn't necessarily come out through your gut. However, once it gets processed through your kidneys and you piss it, it can be passed up to five times, they say, through different people. So, like, I could piss, <laughs> and then you could drink it. You could piss, give it to Brian. Yeah. He could drink it. And then Brian <laughs> could give it to two other people, and everybody would be high as fuck. Mommy and Wow. Dad. That's what they say. How would they know? <laughs> How would they know? Why would they find out? What are we doing with our lives? We're sitting around drinking each other's piss to get high. What, what are you singing, fairies, <laughs> cocksucker? They Dr- love drinking it. piss and watching Pluto. Um, loved it. You're supposed to be kind of like a little bit drunk and a little bit like uh, a little bit high, like a psychedelic. I, I, I only had one experience and it didn't work. You didn't drink your own piss. You got to commit. Hmm. No, hmm. got to go in. You can't uh, just put the tip in. You got to go hmm. balls deep. Huh. Huh. <laughs> is that how it works? You're supposed to just eat it and then drink your own piss, and that's what gets you high? I mean, there's some ways that I think you can heat it and like lightly bake it. I don't know. But yeah. I think the, the surefire way, if you really want to commit, is to eat it, then drink your piss, and then you can, you know. But you feel so stupid <laughs> if it didn't work. Yeah. That's true. You're sitting there with piss mouth and not high and just thinking, what kind of a loser am I? I should just become a Republican. Okay, I should just go the other way and get single malt scotch and sneak in some Cuban cigars and just become an asshole. Should have rented a movie. <laughs> well, I'm. <laughs> but if it works, sitting around legal. eating mushrooms and drinking piss, the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> You got a dirty garage. Like, I was going to get to that, but I had to eat mushrooms and drink my own piss first. I'm, I'm a fucking real winner over here. I'm going to film it for, for all the savages so they can see what's up. Because it is perfectly legal mm-hmm. in the U.S. Amanita muscaria is not a scheduled substance. So the reward, if it works and it was awesome, is pretty cool because we'd I'm, actually have something legal to do. Yeah, and you're just going to encourage people to do that? No, I don't. I'm not encouraging. Look, please, let me be the <laughs> guinea pig here. I don't know. It could be terrible. 
but I'll let you know. You have I'll to post it if it's bad also. You have to have a yeah, post of sure. you sitting there just like, oh, with pissy mouth. And I'm just never, mad at myself. Uh, just ne- self-hate. <laughs> <laughs> just feeling the lowest of the low. I've never met anybody who's had a good one, who's had a good uh, Amanita Muscaria experience. No, not, not, not that I can yeah. remember anybody telling me about one. They've always said, like, oh, it didn't work for me. Yeah. I met somebody who had a weird one and a not-so-good one. Hmm. Bad so, odds. Yeah. You just want to drink yeah. pee, bro. Weird and not so good, <laughs> but there is piss drinking, so come on, join the party. <laughs> you know, there's such a tradition around it, though, you know? Not only that, we can all drink each other's piss. Bye. Come on yeah, over here. Like, Aubrey's got it all figured out. You just got to get yeah, it fresh. See, one guy pisses before. into you, and then you piss it in. No, 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 see? That's not how it's done. <laughs> I forgot to bring cups. We all That's have to not how it works. Mouth. I just piss in your mouth, and is that what we're doing here? Straight from the spout. <laughs> what kind of party are we doing here? It's the freshest way to get you it. You piss in his ass. I'll piss in your mouth. We're going to work this out. We're going to get high as fuck. <laughs> the human dickipede. The human dickipede. <laughs> that is exactly what it would be. <laughs> He's trying to trick us. And when and you stumble upon this fucking party, you open up the tent door. What the fuck? Just piss all over the place. Bunch of guys with their cocks in their hands. We're just trying to get enlightenment. <laughs> but imagine if it does work and you get someone really high and they love it. Yeah. Then you could trick them constantly. Be like, yo, I just took some. <laughs> Here's my piss. You just get him to drink it. <laughs> oh, like, God. You're like, I don't feel it but yet. vitamins. It's too much cum in this piss. I don't feel it yet. Here, let me piss some more. Why, that tastes like total primate care. <laughs> Maybe some T plus. <laughs> Did you pack it like a musket? <laughs> Did you pack the musket cock? Why is Dr. Laser wearing lipstick? <laughs> we need to call Dr. Laser and ask him how many of those books behind him he's read. Because it's driving us crazy. Yeah. I, I picture know. Dr. Laser's got those old school books he that nobody does. really reads. Yeah. Come but on, he's, he's old. He's read them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Has, that's the best way to answer. Has, that's the best a... way to, to finish that. Say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But he does have the brain surgery kit from Napoleon's field doctor, which Holy is pretty cool. Shit. That's in his office. Yeah. They had a brain surgery yeah, kit back just then? Like big saw. Like It looks more like woodworking equipment, but like really finely crafted, Jesus made woodworking Christ. equipment. Right. Things that like crack. Things, things that saw things. Oh my god! It's pretty intense, and he actually uses it. Basically, he has his patients walk by it, and if they get queasy and they can't handle it, he's like, "Nah, you're not the person for me," because he's a Whoa. he's a tinkerer. I mean, he's gonna go in there and actually cut your head and do some work. That's what his Jesus. specialty is. Jesus he's done Christ. like three thousand open skull surgeries or something like that. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, he's an he's an OG. He's cool. Holy shit. <laughs> Can you imagine working on 3,000 brains? Yeah. What an incredible power that must be to those guys, like that they they can fix someone's brain, mm-hmm. you know? Mechanically. Cut out, your, cut out your cancer and fix your brain and then send you back to have, live a healthy life. Yep. <sighs> and he did it. I met one of the guys that he did that for, this guy... Uh, is one of his patients and is pretty remarkable. Went through there, did the brain surgery, and then from and that's actually how I met Dr. Lazar. Is he did the brain surgery, then he took a bunch of the ingredients we have in Alpha Brain too, and he recovered like way fast. This is of course just one story, but he recovered super fast, and that turned Dr. Lazar on to the potential for these herbs to work in conjunction with what he was doing on the brain. So that's how we kind of got got hooked up. That's interesting. Did did he ever talk to um, uh, Romanowski? No, he hasn't. But we talked about that a little bit. I think it's actually in the long interview that we have up there. But um, yeah, the uh, the brain damage issue is 
pretty he's pretty serious. I don't think he's ever been hooked up with Bill though. Yeah, well Romanowski, that's why he created that Neuro One. Mm-hmm. That was the first nootropic that I'd heard of. We were on um um No Name and um uh No Name and Alice or Alice and No Name. Sarah No Name. Sarah No Name rather on Alice Radio. Yeah. Anyway. Um and uh No Name I forget his real name. I just um, always uh, called him No Name. How weird is that? I just talk cool guy. Today. Anyway. He was training with Bill Romanowski, and Bill Romanowski got him to start eating healthy and started giving him this neural one shit. Well, this is this, uh, it was like it's a nootropic, but it's also got like a little bit of caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting stuff. Yep. And he developed it because of concussions. Yep. Makes sense. You yeah. got to feed, feed back the brain when it's been deprived from getting swollen, swollen and pushed up against your skull. I was not a good, at not a, a good program. I was at a, uh, a neurological research center today. And uh, one of the things that these people were telling me while they were there, I was there for this silly TV show, mm-hmm. but there's people that take their kids there. Like if the kids are uh, involved in uh, football and they have football injuries and they're talking about it like these kids are like 15, 16 years old and just have these massive concussions. And the fathers are like, well, when can you get back in there? And the mother is like, is he going to be okay? Right. The mothers are concerned that their kid is getting really badly hurt and the fathers are, they want him to get back in there. It's weird. Yeah. She's, she she was describing it to me, like the, you know these situations that she's dealing with with these fathers and these kids, and she's like, it's really creepy, because these kids don't know any better, and they're just running. They're like their dads like want them to get back in there. Like kid, they get concussed. Like, do you understand what that is? Do you understand what getting shut off is? Running at each other, colliding heads. Do you know? Whoa. Man, in the brain, there's so much more we still have to learn about it. Did you happen to see that thing on 60 Minutes where there, there are people who are now able to control prosthetic limbs with their thoughts alone? Did you see that? No. So basically, they hook, up these, they hook up these arms. Now, the first, the first version prototype was they hook the arms up, and they actually hardwire it somehow into the nerves. But it's still their thoughts that can allow them. Like, they can shake hands with people just from like their brain telling this completely prosthetic arm to shake hands or like grab a ball. They can tell if a ball is hard or tell if a ball is soft just from feedback. It's bilateral. So it's not only they're squeezing, but their fingers can give uh, signals to their brain and let them know if what they're squeezing is hard or soft. So it goes both ways. And then they figured out how to hook it up wirelessly so that they can actually control arms that are not even on them. And they can make those arms move just with their thoughts. So this was on 60 Minutes like a week ago. I was... Fucking blown away. So like an avatar type thing. Totally. Well, oh my not God. that, but the first steps, like the big baby yeah. steps towards Wi-Fi. That. Doing it with Wi-Fi. Yeah. I, is, I mean, I don't know. What is that? Do you remember that? That's the old experiments where they pretty much did shit. Like Let me see. Oh, those Russian. Oh, don't show me this. The dog head one. That shit ain't cool. <clears throat> I don't even know if that's real. Is that real? Yeah, that's real. Oh, I don't want to believe Russians. that's real. Yeah, it was a it was a cool segment on uh, on sixty minutes. That's literally like probably two weeks ago. Wow, that's that's fucking freaky. Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, the the crazy part to me was the fact that they could it was giving them signals back from their fingers to their brain. That was that was what really blew my. I mean, I guess the whole thing did. You know, just the fact that you think of this brain and thoughts as this kind of nebulous thing, but it's actually. It is a signal. There is some kind of electrical signal that they can get a machine, program a machine to receive and respond based upon a thought, a willful action to do something. It can pick that up. I don't know how the hell that happens. 
And imagine if they can do that now. Imagine what a thousand years from now is going to be. Yeah. We probably will be able to just lie in bed and send our robot out to do everything we need to do. Drive the car, you know, and we look through its eyes as it drives the car. We look through its eyes as it goes to the supermarket, picks up groceries. We're just sitting at home beating off, beating off, pretending with this person. And the robot wanders through the fucking town, does all your tasks, come back home, and you never leave the house. Yeah. But imagine, and then the application for sports, there's been a couple movies like that. But you could go full, let's say you created this kind of android creature that you could control with your mind. You could go full gladiator style with net and trident sword and just have the most brutal, obviously it would be expensive because machines are expensive, whatever. But it'd be sweet. It'd be crazy. Playing bumper cars with a Ferrari. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's, that's true. true. You wouldn't want to just take <laughs> your fucking but your awesome robot sweet. body and torture Fight it. people with it. But. Yeah, no, don't do that. But I bet you know what they would do? You know how like, people play The Sims? Yeah. I bet they would play like a real live version of The Sims. Just let their human body go out there and interact with all these other robot bodies. You know, they take their body, mm-hmm. they, uh, they, they lie down, and they look through the body or look through the eyes of this thing and then send it off like it's a little game. And you send your robot out, and your robot goes and fucks other robots and parties, and your robot's an animal, and he drinks and drives because he doesn't even live in the real world. He lives in this fucking crazy robot and world. And we realize that's what's already happening, and God we're the robots. Right. <laughs> the TV has turned us into a robot. I keep on thinking simulation theory shit, like like your inner voice is actually you in the future, like talking to yourself or something like that. You know it could what I mean? be, right? I think I think everybody knows, especially when you're an impulsive fuck, like I know you are, and I am, and you've been too, son. Mm-hmm. We've all been a little impulsive. And there's always when you're about to do something and there's that voice that goes, don't fucking do it, dude. Mm-hmm. you got to listen to that voice. Always. That voice is always right. You know, there's like a weird rush on the other side, too, that tells you not to do it. Like, it's going to feel good. You know, like when you're about to, like, if you're about to yell at somebody and you Mm -hmm. know you shouldn't. Right. You know, there's pretty much no reason ever to yell at somebody. Yeah, you're right. But when you get this kind of, like, energy that comes Mm -hmm. up and it feels like it's going to be good to release it. Yep. What the fuck is that? Uh, That's you protecting yourself. Most but why does it feel good, though? It feels good because sometimes people need to be shown that they're cunts. <laughs> it's like a, an evolutionary response. True. Like The only way people learn um, how to behave is by feedback. The way they learn how to be harmonious with their fellow brothers and sisters of the world is by feedback. And when you're not good at it and you get bad feedback all the time and you don't adjust, that's like a sign of mental illness or stupidity, or a, a, a lack of education, or lack of uh, someone explaining, or your own personal critical thinking involving the, the way the world works. But for most people, as you get older, you get way better at communicating, because you've gone through this feedback loop several times, yeah. and you sort of stabilize it, and you know what people like, and what they don't like, and you know how to get things off on the right foot, and how not to, and it's like sort of easier to navigate. And but the key there is, as you know, the key there is not to become completely enslaved by the feelings and thoughts and the kind of world around you, and so that you're constantly living to please what the Toltecs would call the dream, you know, the co-created world around you. So yes, don't be a dick, you know, learn not to hurt people, but then at the same time, don't judge yourself according to all of these opinions that are generally wrong anyways people don't necessarily always want you to be your best you know so you got to find your inner path as well as adjust to 
guiding principle. That's a real problem for young people when they're dealing with haters, like the first haters in their life. You know, like (laughs) it could be someone who's at work with you or someone you go to school with or whatever. But it might be like the first time in your life where someone like actively hates on you. And that shit can affect you. Mm. And I always say that it's like snake venom and that like having a little bit of hater is like good because you know how to deal with it. And then when, when you get a full blast of it, you're like, bitch, I'm immune to that stupid shit. Right. You know, like, you've been bitten a few times. You understand it. Because people who don't have never been hated on before, like, you see them get hated on, they're like, oh, my goodness. Just that wave of negativity that can erupt at any time on the internet. Absolutely. You know? I, I, I mean, felt that. You know, I felt that the first time. Obviously, in sports or whatever, you get these mild detractors. But you can always kind of see them. But then yeah. as soon as I stepped into the public eye... A lot of support, a lot of love, amazing people I've met. And then a contingency of people who hate me, just <laughs> despise me. And I was looking at them like, why? Why do you hate me? <laughs> what is the reason? Like, I couldn't properly deal with it, I think. There's you know, so the- I had to talk to as many people I could and just kind of sort it out. So there's some people that are just going to be negative no matter what. But right. there's also, it's a fucked up thing, but... There's a truth in that it's good to get your ass kicked, yeah. and it's good to get your ass kicked on by the internet too. It's mm-hmm. good, you know. It it doesn't seem like it's good when it's happening, and it might be completely off base, but if it's right even a little bit, they're doing you a service because yeah, they're pointing you're out holes in your tighten game. Tighten up your game. They're, yeah, they're pointing out holes in your game, and it might be, it might be fair, but it might not be fair too. You got to deal with that too, but that's part of the game. Yeah. That's part of you. And eventually, so hopefully, we all hope for some form of personal sovereignty where no matter what anybody says about you or how anybody describes you, it's a better way of putting it, you know who you are that's and it. you're all right. And like all they're doing is exposing this need to detract from another person, right. this need to diminish another person, which and is an, a massive weakness. It is. And you know, along that we've with, all been guilty of. For sure. And along with that, it's also learning to take the praise not too seriously. Either. Yes. You know, you can't get your tires get too pumped up and, and yeah. really buy into that whole thing. And, you know, that'll lead you down a stray, weird path of ego and feeding off that yeah. kind of energy. That's no good either. Either no. detractors or too much praise. Just appreciate it for what it is, but really judge yourself by your own criteria. You know, you yeah. know, only you know. Really, if you did your best, if you put out the maximum effort to try and achieve the result, and uh, only you should be able to judge yourself. To- yeah, well, uh, if you're if you're really objective, especially, and that's yeah. what we should all strive for, right? Like real objectivity. If you could really just fucking really look at what you're doing right or wrong, and what what you're enjoying about your life, what you're not, how to get that bitch back on track. Sometimes it's harder to see yourself than it is to see other people, which is why a lot of the most fucked up people with the most fucked up lives always want to give you advice. Yeah. Like, who wants to give you more advice than someone whose life is a mess? You know what you got to do, man? You got to get together with your girl, and you got to work this out, okay? I know you don't want to work this out, but you got to work this out. And you're like, are you really giving advice on relationships, you crazy fuckhead? They say that most of the people who get degrees in psychology are the ones who are trying to work out their own problems the most vehemently i mean i don't know that's just uh hearsay but that's kind of the old maxim yeah yeah i would think a psychologist would do the weirdest shit when they beat off (laughs) you know i mean think what is it what is a a sexual uh like one of those people that's like a sexual counselor what do they beat off to 
You know, do they, they beat off be constantly to... analyzing? It can't be that much fun. I don't. It, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, how do they really totally cut loose? Yeah. You're constantly thinking about whether or not what you did is good. But objectivity is a real challenge, and I think one of the tools that both me and you have found have been different ways to break through that kind of mental patterning that gets yeah. you in trouble. So the tank is a great way to do it. And then yeah. there's different meditation techniques that are great ways. But sometimes for us really thick gold monkeys like myself and you and some other people, when we just need something heavier to do it. And mm -hmm. I think that's when you know I've gone to Peru and done the ayahuasca or you can go hopefully somewhere safe and do a heavy psilocybin trip or find some you know way to actually get that part of your mind to really be objective, to kind of cut out all the bullshit and look at yourself with a true reflection. Yeah, and I, and I feel like there's certain doors that get open when you, you have those experiences. And when those doors get open, it's like the, the whole world just takes a turn to the left. Like it's just not the same world anymore. Yeah, It's just not. And that's scary for a lot of people, man. It and it makes terrifying. sense. But you got to really look at it objectively. And one of the things you got to look at is do you really like the world the way it is? <laughs> Are you really scared of taking a left turn into Crazyville? Crazyville might not be that bad. Trust me. The regular world is crazy enough. Take a little trip down the Leprechaun Lane and have a, have a, a chat with the Pixies in the other dimensions. It's not a bad idea. You got to know what the fuck is going on with your brain, though. That's the problem. I would never tell anybody to do mushrooms or acid, even though I have. I would never tell anybody to do any now today knowing what I know, would never tell anybody to do any psychedelic because I don't know how the fuck their brain works. That's true. And then so having, in, in something I always kind of reiterate, having a really good guide is important. Yes. Someone who can not only ask you questions but kind of look you in the eye, analyze um, what you should or should not do. I mean, even the shamans down in Peru, part of the ceremony is before you get the ayahuasca, they kind of get a sense of you, yeah. even if you can't speak the language, but they get a sense of you. And you can sense a crazy yeah. You know, oh, like yeah. especially they're highly tuned to do that. Yeah. And they look at you. And As some am people, I. <laughs> As yeah. am I. Some people get like a really little tiny, you know, third of a cup, mm -hmm. right? And then they go on their way because that's all that the shamans know. That's all they can handle. That's all they're in for. And then other people, you know, they'll fill that bitch to the brim <laughs> and be like, come back for more if you want it. <laughs> and it just, you drink that thick, thick brown bittery, fiery ayahuasca into your stomach. You know what I've never work. understood about the ayahuasca thing? I'm, I'm going to have to do ayahuasca to, to learn this. The tobacco thing. Like, mm -hmm. what is it about the to blowing tobacco smoke that activates some of the hallucinogens? I think it has to do with your actually, your nicotinic receptors in your brain. So, so there's something, you know, the DMT, the tryptamine. Like a stack? Or, like yeah. you're stacking these I don't know. Together. But, you know, that's these receptors, and this is swimming a little deeper than I probably can go. But I think it has something, you know, nicotine acts on certain mental receptors. Um, I think it's your nicotinic receptors. And then tryptamine acts on certain receptors. And somehow there is a, there is a synergy there. I haven't necessarily experienced that. But what I did experience, which is really weird, I have no very good explanation for this but at the end of one particular ceremony he smoked the uh tobacco the shaman smoked the tobacco rustica which is different than the tobacco that we smoke it's a different species of plant entirely wow so tobacco rustica they smoked a big hand-rolled cigarette from that and he like blew the smoke all over my body i didn't feel anything at the moment i was like okay well i'm gonna smell like this burnt plant cool that's good but he really like took care and put it on certain points 
And there's always some kind of purgative element to the ayahuasca. But that night, I was like shitting and vomiting like I like there was some evil in my body that was trying to escape like the most violent purge I've ever had in my life it was and it went on for hours I don't know where stuff was coming out of my body right and I've, I've done ayahuasca many times so I know what the normal purge is this was Do they have outhouses four or five times <laughs> now you have a little toilet in your in your place you have sometimes a it doesn't water have a, toilet uh Depends. Sometimes no. Sometimes that's just a hole. Mm. And sometimes you do have running water, depending on where you go. But a lot of times they don't have toilet lids because you're not supposed to sit there and really enjoy. You're supposed to just hover, blow it out, and then wipe and put it in a basket. That's kind of the general program. But you put it in a basket. Yeah, because it can't. They can't keep flush in the toilet paper right. down the system. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> but anyway, so uh, there's some kind of Jesus. cleansing <laughs> aspect to it. It doesn't make any sense. Like the science, I don't know. I don't understand. But I know that, you know, they believe it's a cleansing, you know, ritual. And it certainly had that effect on me. Wow. Just blows it out. And the, that tobacco, it, it kicked it in. It That's kicked what it in. kicked something, it in. Something. And he blew a lot huh. of smoke all over me. And then the next day he sees me and he starts laughing as I'm walking like walking by him, he just starts <laughs> laughing and he asked me, you know, how was last night? And and he's, I had someone with me who could help me translate. And I was like, what the hell did you do to me? And he's just laughing and laughing and just pats me on the back and just keeps on walking. Like he knew that's exactly what he was going to do. Wow. So he was doing that just to get you to get rid of all the shit inside of you and throw yeah. up and clean it all out yeah. and, then, and then dose up. Yeah, and then the next night, wild dragon juice. Exactly, and the next night was the night that I went out and did the ride on that smoke dragon. That makes sense. Wow, he cleaned your system out with some smoke. (laughs) Yeah, did you hear that they uh, found DMT in the pineal gland of live rats? rats. Huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah, this is uh, Rick Strassman's Cottonwood Research Foundation. He, um, he. just, uh, I mean, this is something that they had speculated for the longest time, and I, I thought it was a fact. I thought that they had known it was a fact until uh, Voodoo Chicken on my message board was, I think, the first guy to, to clue me into the fact that there's only, like, anecdotal evidence, and he was, like, challenging Strassman on the message board because uh, we know that the human body produces it. And then they, I guess they knew it produced, was produced in the liver and the lungs, mm-hmm. but this is the first time they can prove that at least in rodents... It's in the pineal gland of a live rat. Yeah, and I think when you, and when you're, the way they, <clears throat> let's suppose it was the spirit molecule, right? Let's suppose that hypothesis is true and it is some part of conducting the spirit from source into life and then back out. You know, let's yeah. say that there is some activation for that. Um, it makes sense that they wouldn't find the active concentrations in the dead pineal glands because presumably its purpose was yeah. done there. But to see <clears throat> it there in live, in live, um, you know, and while it's living, I think is is pretty cool. Well, at least opens up that theory as a, a possible. One of the interesting things about taking the DMT was the the shortness of the trip, and that's what the thing that people always comment on <clears throat> that one of the uh, signs that this isn't this isn't a deadly drug is how easy your body can get rid of it. Yep. Your your body can get rid of it and bring you back to baseline in 15 minutes. Like you're on this voyage to another dimension, and then 15 minutes later, your body's like, "Okay, nothing to see here. We're just gonna clean this up, folks." What'd you, yeah, what'd you cook? And Spaghetti. You know, come in just, there with a broom uh-huh. and and sweep up all the memories of what you just did. 
um, it, it seems like your body knows what to do with this shit. It obviously makes it. We know it makes it. We know that. But now we know that literally this third eye makes it. And that's fucking crazy. Because yeah. that's that's literally, I hate when I say literally, because I shouldn't have said it that many times. I was, uh, that was my version of uh. <laughs> that, it's literally, uh, I should have said uh. Anyway, they, they've proven that, at least in rodents, this sacred of all sacred glands this gland that the egyptians thought was the seat of the soul mm-hmm. these this gland that eastern mysticism had forever connected with a an eye of enlightenment that that gland produces the most potent psychedelic drug known to man that's fucking bananas pretty wild it's nuts it's so many cross cultures too that you know have have some kind of belief in that center of your you know, in that center of your forehead where your pineal gland is. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty unique. And, you know, the shamans down there, interesting thing, you know, and I was reading Daniele Bellelli's book about creating your own religion and the distinctions between religion and, you know, what we all both feel is like true spirituality. And some of it is, you know, it's not people telling you that. It's, you know, feeling it. It's feeling that kind of activation or feeling what that feels like. And there's been times when I've been taking ayahuasca where, my most intense experiences come with a really intense buzzing energy that feels like not only that part of my head, but starting there, the energy feels like it peels off my whole scalp, starting in my third eye, middle of my forehead region, all the way to the back of my head, what they would call the crown chakra. And I don't know too much about chakras, but I know that that's what I felt. From right here to the back of my head, it was like somebody peeled it off and it had an electric field, an electric current over it. And when you get that feeling, you know you're in for some fucking cool shit. (laughs) That's when the cool shit happens. Like that is the precursor to the craziest experiences of of your spiritual life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's a language that you can only speak with people who've had some form of experience, something, because yep. there's a lot of people out there, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with going through. I don't think there's anything wrong with going through your whole life, as long as you're enjoying it. Why? Why have a psychedelic experience if you don't want to? If you don't feel compelled, I feel like if you mm-hmm. feel compelled, give it a shot. But when you're having these conversations and you're talking about your chakra blowing open and. <laughs> Porting yourself to dimensions yeah, and crazy flotillas of serpents <laughs> flying above your head. I hear you. And I'm going, yeah, wow, yeah. okay, wow, fucking A. Like, I know that really happened. Uh-huh. Because I've seen some crazy shit myself. Not that it really happened, not that it's really a snake. But my, my point about that, what people always go, well, you know, if it's not real... Okay, then you're doing something really infantile. Okay, you're taking something that's allowing you to go into fantasy land for a little while. Maybe. Or, listen, what if I could prove that it takes you to another dimension? And in that other dimension, you will see things that you could not possibly have imagined. And you will experience novelty and honesty and wisdom in love in the purest forms possible like their joy like their waves yeah. hitting you while you're standing on the beach if i could tell you that it was definitely taking you to another dimension would you go then i don't know maybe yeah, not but here's what i know here's what i know for sure if it took you to another dimension and you had that experience, or if you just had that experience in your head, 
you still had that experience. And it, and it might as well have taken you to another dimension. It might as well. Mm -hmm. Because the same thing happened. Yep. You saw the same shit. You felt the same things. You experienced the same things. You saw it all. It might not have been real, but it might have been real too. It doesn't matter. Yep. You still experienced it exactly the same way. As if it did take you to another planet. And you did ride around the rings of Saturn in your underwear. I mean, <laughs> it really does take you to that place. Yeah. So it might be real, it might take you to that place, or it might be all happening in your mind. But either way, you experience the exact same thing. And it lasts. And the results there, you know, that you get from it are actually, you know, that was one of the cool things about going to the MAPS conference, which is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. They put on a conference in Oakland, and they had all of the top scientists from all these different fields of research come and present their findings. So there's been over 80 patients clinically dosed with psilocybin, most of them in palliative care, easing the anxiety of death towards the end of life. Amazing, dramatic stories. You have psychiatrists in there who've been working in this field for 40 years, seeing people, and they, they're the ones running these, uh, these programs. And, well, first of all, the funny part is it's, it's a double-blind trial, right? So on one case, someone is getting placebo, which is doing nothing. And in another case, they're getting a heroic dose of psilocybin. And the, the research is like, one of the problems with the study design is we pretty much know, because they're not supposed to know it's double blind. We pretty much know when someone's taken a bunch of psilocybin. Like yeah. It's not hard to tell when that's actually happened. But they're saying that what they're accomplishing in three hours would have taken them three years to do back in the old paradigm. And they're reporting these findings, and it's really encouraging. Obviously, the Johns Hopkins study was a great study. 94% of people who took the psilocybin said it was one of the top five most meaningful experiences of their life. I mean, really cool findings that are leading to a potential legalization of psilocybin for you know, clinical use. And it shouldn't be just for clinical use. This is what's really right. fucked up. It, it all these people that are having all these thoughts and all these positive experiences, like, that that this is discounted by our government. It, just, it shows that we're being run by a bunch of infants. Like, they should be experiencing it, too. You should also do mushrooms as well, it sir. It should be a prerequisite, prerequisite for political office, yeah. for sure. It's such a silly little thing. It grows in cow shit. It looks ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. It, it appears in fucking Mario brothers donkey kong and shit but it might be the thing that humanity really could count on right now it might be the thing if you could like a, ensure across the board experiences ensure them worldwide over a week's period of time you change the world forever and that's real yeah you really would one one gigantic world trip where like 30 percent of the population of the planet does mushrooms one day you want to talk about a strange world you would wake up to Monday morning? Fuck yeah. I mean... People would be hugging people in the streets what if and shit. All of, this is a thought I've had recently. What if all of the churches, instead of just bickering about their own dogmas and all this stuff, I mean, they're all trying to get at the same spirit. What if they were all churches of experience? And across the world, there was you know, one basic church that you go to, and that church was... A little bit of everything. In that church, there was Zen meditation in one area. There was float tanks in another area. There was lectures from people like Graham Hancock coming through there. There was yoga in one spot. And then there was different ceremonial areas where you could smoke peyote and do, you know, do a dance out in a, 
out in a sweat lodge, or you could take mushroom take mushrooms in a clinical, you know, like a really relaxed, you know, encouraging setting, or you could do an ayahuasca ceremony with the local ayahuasca maestro, and all of that was available to you. So you look, maybe you didn't go every week or every Sunday, but when you needed to check in, there was your local church, and you could just kind of talk to some people, either listen, maybe do some light yoga, or let's say you really needed to move yourself and then go in and pop into an ayahuasca ceremony. Or let's say you were feeling, you know, you got addicted to something accidentally. Oh, well, you could pop into the aboga treatment ceremony that yeah, lasted there from were, Sunday through Tuesday. If there <laughs> were real clinics like that that were run by people who really knew what they were doing, they could change the whole world. The whole thing. The whole paradigm shifts at that point, I think. And it's there. It's like a real thing. That's what's crazy. It's not like something from a Dr. Seuss book, you yep. know, that rhymes with, you know, morph. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, yeah. They took the morph on top of the orb <laughs> and, and traveled to a far but I, land. I, do, I am really encouraged by what, um, by what MAPS is doing because they're, they're playing by the rules. And you think that you get nowhere playing by the rules. But in some encouraging results, both, both for MDMA, for PTSD, and these psilocybin studies, they're getting allowed to do the research to complete these phase one trials and actually test them on human sub- subjects for the first time in a long time. And that's going to lead to, you know, bigger trials and the phase two trials and the phase three. And eventually there's going to get drug approvals for these. Now, why that is significant is at that point you have a massive amount of data. You have side effects studied, you have clinical use studied. And if you can prove that there is an actual benefit to something, you know, it really weakens the argument for criminalization. And then, of course, there's going to be a lot of off-label uses, doctors who are like, look, this is really helpful, you know, just kind of like what's happened with medical marijuana a little bit. It's been medically legal, but pretty much that is a gateway to legalization. But they're following the steps along the path that could potentially allow this to be legal. There's that path, and then there's the religious freedom path, and I think those are really the only two paths that are going to lead to fruitful and effective policy change. Religious freedom is a funny thing. It's just, I, I, I always feel like whenever someone gets together in a big giant group and there's a few people running it, shit goes bad. It's just, it seems very rare that yeah. anybody can keep it together. Mm-hmm. You know, it always turns, I've been reading, or been listening rather to uh, Dan Carlin's hardcore history about Martin Luther and the, the rise of the Anabaptists in, in Munster, Germany. Whenever some new dude comes along and tries to change things and we're going to do it the right way, this is how God wanted it, it always goes bad. It always goes bad. Somebody gets in trouble and then they start just... Because well, they realize they can fuck all the teenage girls in their congregation. <laughs> and suddenly God tells them that that's what they need to do. When this guy died, he had 16 wives. Exactly. It's, it's amazing. Always, it's always the same yep. thing. And they just chopped him apart with swords and shit. Right. Eventually got a hold of him. You know what the other thing I've been kind of thinking about is, too, is, you know, you assume that, like, some of these ayahuasca shamans, aboga shamans, different people, you would assume that by doing those psychedelic drugs, they would have straightened themselves out. They would have straightened their morality out, and they'd be all good people. But that's certainly not the case. You know, you, they, there are a lot of examples of these people who are doing the medicine itself and are still completely morally corrupt individuals. And I was That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird, but... You know, I think ultimately the power of the mind, you know, if you put your mind to it, can supersede, you know, the potential of the medicine itself. So if you decide to override it and just use the feeling, it's almost like taking, 
you know, mushrooms recreationally to watch a cartoon. You can kind of override the potential spiritual value of it and just focus on laughter and seeing colors explode on a screen in the same way that you can do it with morality, where you can take a bunch of ayahuasca and then use that, override it still with your mind and wow. just use it to, you know, practice whatever kind of power mechanism you want. So you got to make sure that you get, you know, just because they do a bunch of ayahuasca or boga or whatever doesn't mean they're good. You got to find the people who are on that, that true path, the path of light. So you think what happens is probably these people grow up in this horrible area, you know, third world country, really impoverished, and they probably find out about ayahuasca as a way to make money because there's an ayahuasca tourist trade. And even if they take it, maybe when you just reach a certain amount of fucked up, there's no, no pulling you back to, to civilization. You know, maybe the way the human body is programmed to survive in horrible, destitute situations, yep. really, really disgusting, violent situations, the human body sort of designed to, to, to be able to function in those environments. It knows how to change and get wacky and crazy. You know, knows how to deal with war. It adapts, adapts, mm -hmm. and that becomes the new reality. That becomes every day-to-day -day living now. And it just—it seems like when you you go a, a, just a certain distance down the cunt hole, you know, it's like there's no pulling you back. That's true. Or perhaps in in other cases, I think it's happened. You know, a lot of these traditions are taught grandfather to grandson, and mm. I think the grandchildren start off, you know, on a pretty good path. But then they get a taste of power. Then they realize everybody in their area, if it's a tribe or if in their community, looks up to them and they have absolute power over these people. And you put that amount, that mantle of power on people and you'll see cracks develop. You know, you see it all over the place. People who were once good getting in power and exposing these inner demons, these inner weaknesses that they have. And they choose, instead of overcoming those, they choose to just go with it. I bet a lot of their downfall is... Chicks from Pussy. America with yoga pants yeah. <laughs> come down there, and I'm just trying to get spiritually clean. I'm just trying to open up my chakras and just big, juicy ass in yoga pants. Just. And she's in love with this dude because he makes the magic brew, and he knows how to call the dragon. Dum, yeah. dum, 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 dum. And she's in fucking see-through yoga pants. Mm -hmm. oh. Do you know they just fix those see-through yoga pants? What took so long what to are they fix them? Do they, they should give them all out. That's the only fair thing to do. They should have shut the fuck up is what they should have done. <laughs> yeah. You knew what you were doing, Car you dirty bus. freaks. What girl doesn't put those on and get in front of a mirror? Oh, my God, you can see everything. I can't wear these. Oh, my God, you can see everything. Should I wear these? Would, if you, would you think I was a whore if I wore these? Oh, my God, you can see it. Can you see everything? Can you? Am I being picky? <laughs> they they talk themselves out of it. They know that their box is just hanging out there. And a lot of these dirty freaks would go to yoga class with nothing on, just these yoga tights. And literally, you could read their lips. <laughs> you literally, they're, they're, I said literally five times after I said I, I hate that I said it. Literally, you did. Fuck, cunt. Cunt fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing that this company should do is just hand them out for They free. should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> they should just go radio just silent and keep selling them. The <laughs> keep selling them and go radio silent. And they go, are these the are these yoga pants still see-through? Just go, hmm? <laughs> huh? What? Huh? Yeah, it looks great in you. <laughs> Those look good for you. Go to the dressing rooms over there if you want to get changed. Or if they get sweaty, you can see through them. Just so have a nice, bright dressing room so none of those freaks can try foul. Just let them, just let them look at look at your box in the mirror. What's wrong with that? What's a little showing off a little box? How's that gonna hurt anybody? It'd be good for everybody. Yeah.
That's what I'm saying. Except shamans. They ain't used to those American yoga freaks. They're used to a bunch of barefoot fishermen women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Too much, too much to bear. Yeah, it's milky white skin and a big juicy booty and you should get stretching yoga. out in the jungle floor. You should get yoga pants uh, uh, and on poses. it. Maybe we maybe can buy all the ones from right. Lululemon. <laughs> or maybe invest in hypercolor. I mean, I bet that's pretty yeah, cheap nowadays. Just and we... Put out alpha tights <laughs> for guys alpha to show tights. their cocks. This would be the new uh, the new alpha thing. Alpha tights. Everybody was like, "Why do I have to wear? Why do I have to wear underwear? I'm just gonna wear tights." And dudes would just wear tights everywhere, but they're see through tights where you could just really show your cock, and that becomes a new thing. Look, it. I would believe that that would be the new thing before I would ever believe that there'd be dudes willing to pull their pants down to their balls and then belt them in place there and have your underwear hang out. And that this would be like a super common practice. And then I'd be walking on the street and I'd see five, ten, twenty young men with their fucking pants pulled down below the crack of their ass. And I'm like, what are you doing? Do you know how stupid this is? So that, I wouldn't believe that that would be possible, and it is. So I believe that the 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 cocktails would be the shit. Was it from you that we were talking about that that was part of prison culture? And it that, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have belts. You can't have belts because you can choke someone and to death so, with it. You could kill yourself. Right. And so they would sag their pants for yeah. easy access for their for their daddies to just bend them over. And oh, I think it's them. well, they the the booty master. What was that guy's name? The one guy, the booty bandit. Who was in that uh, Locked Up show? Have you ever seen that show? No. You've never seen that? Brian, please pull that up since, since we have this amazing internet connection now. The Booty booty Bandit from Locked Up. Or they also call him the most terrifying man on earth or something like that. But he was all talking about um, dudes that are sagging. You know, and he goes, to me, that's sexy. He's like, that's sexy. Like, you, you sag in front of me. Yeah. You find that? <laughs> This is, uh, this guy's fucking terrifying. But when Kentucky State Penitentiary, we met Lee Johnson. The Booty Warrior. A long-time inmate. Booty Warrior. That's what he calls himself. a very different kind of homosexuality. Right. Yeah, he does. Well, we have sexual desires, right? So you got a bunch of men locked up in one place. All of them get hard. All of them horned. All of them got sexual desires. So what are they going to do? Look, that guy looks like the type of guy that he would lock in his cell. Why don't they just, just send fuck like, to death? Why don't they just send like returns, like flashlights returns? You know, or it's the a good refurbished idea. one. Just send them to prison. Flashlight did talk to the. Penal system and booty. They were they weren't down with it. Uh, more important than food. Booty was booty. more important than food. A man's butt. No, no, he had the first half correct, and the second <laughs> half wrong. terribly I'm wrong. Sorry. It was more booty, having some booty was more important than drinking water. Wow. I like booty. Oh my goodness, that's enough. I've heard enough. I the was, Booty Warrior. I was listening to uh, I was listening to my buddy Donald Schultz, who was out actually, and they were they were chasing down rhino poachers, which was a pretty crazy experience because they're going after these rhino poachers that are killing these rhinos, just cutting off the horns, selling them to China to make Chinese people's dicks bigger, supposedly. Which is is crazy. that really all it is? It's all it's all that's what they use yeah, it for. Yeah, that's the main thing they use it for. Is they grind it up and put it in dick pills in China, and it's really the same thing that's in your fingernails. Like it has no it's collagen. 
Yeah, it has no actual properties that are doing anything. But there's all oh, big horn, big dick. You know, I don't know if it's, I apologize about my Whoa, bad accent. Whoa, how but dare that was, you? I see what was, you did there. But if you didn't it. apologize, you would have been fine. <laughs> the problem is you didn't own it. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, but whatever, that, that paradigm there is, is wow. one of the reasons for these rhinos getting killed. So he goes out there. That's crazy. They end up they end up you know shooting this footage, and then as they're coming up on these poachers, they get shot at. Wap wap wap. This is all on video. If you look up Donald Schultz, Rhino, I don't know where you can find it, but they get shot at by these poachers. And then you see him duck down like, oh, shit, and they're filming this. And then his people, his his people pop up. He's from South Africa. His people pop up with, like, AKs and just lay waste to where the poachers are. Whap, 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 whap. And the poachers have high-powered rifles. These guys have, like, assault rifles. Right. But they shot first at them, and it's a shoot-to-kill policy, apparently. But then they roll up on the poachers. One of them's dead. One of them's wounded. It's this crazy kind of scenario, oh, right? God. But the poachers are in leagues with the actual police in the area. It's all, they're paying them off. It's all part of the money system. So as they were leaving, they get stopped by the police and they're looking for footage of, you know, kind of what went down. And they hid the footage in, I think, some parachute bags or something like that. And police are giving them hell. And they go, you know, we're going to throw you in jail and you're going to come out different. And what they meant by that was that there's something called slow puncture where they put you in a cell with another dude with HIV, and then he rapes you. And then they let you go after he rapes you enough times. And then you go home, and you die of AIDS at home. And they call it slow puncture for people that they can't actually press charges on. Whoa. Hold, but they want to fuck you for life. And so they're, they were threatening them with that. With, but they held the bluff firm, got the tapes out, and have been trying to raise awareness to, uh, to save the rhinos. But it's a fucking Whoa. crazy scenario. That's scary. Scary. Slow puncture. Get, get caught in an African prison, son. <laughs> Don't do it. Oh. <laughs> Don't do it. How fucking terrifying And if you be? do, if you're about to get raped, just fight for your goddamn life. That's yeah. it. Jesus. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no point where you, go you tap. War. Yeah. yeah, you go to war to the death the first day. <laughs> That's and it. you're probably going to die. You may die. Most likely. Most die. likely. But Jesus. go out on your shield, son. Christ. Go out on your shield, son. Or enough. don't go to Africa. That's another yeah. one. Imagine if Africa was the only place left. Imagine if there was some crazy fucking catastrophe. Most of the world got wiped out except the continent of Africa. And we all hopped over there in boats from all over the world and battled it out for a chunk of the Congo. <laughs> <laughs> Try to carve your stake in Africa. The rest of the world's just a waste. Just a giant wasteland, a small... Well, Africa's Small beautiful. Population. It's just, you know, all the people and influences and all the bullshit, all the corruption that's fucked it up. There's Maybe. a lot that's fucked Pretty it up. Place. And it's so fucked up in so many ways. It's like, how do you bring Somalia back? You know? Very true. How do you bring Liberia back? How do you how do you snap those back to the standards of, you know, European cities like London? I don't know. I mean, the corruption is so deep-seated. There's that problem, and then there's the... You know, kind of Middle East fundamentalist. Problems sure, it's, it's also like nobody has any desire to go and use resources to help these poor people out. And these people who live in Liberia or live in Somalia or live in any of the really poor sections of Africa, like they got a really shit roll of the the dice, location wise. They 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 were born in an incredibly impoverished place, and it's like there's got to be something that the rest of the world like got to like be honest about where these people are. The rest of the world's like, well, you know, they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps just like we did over here in Munich. 
No, like the, <laughs> the infrastructure of some spots is like so much better to get born sure. in those spots. I mean, you know, I saw when cruel. I was there in the slums, you know, you would see these shanties, these little shacks of basically sheet metal, and that's it, sheet metal, and they kind of put it towards the ground just to keep a little sun off their head and a little bit of shade in the day. But they'd be on hills, right? And there's no septic system, so they'd be on hills. So oh. the people at the top of the hill would just be going to the bathroom in their huts, and the sewage would just slide through oh all of the rest of the places down underneath that. And, you know, disease was everywhere, you see and it's a really intense, intense scenario. And, and generally a very good people, but one of the things, and very cool people there that you meet, but one of the problems is, is that there's so, the best way to get ahead in Africa right now, the way to get the most money is not start a business, be an entrepreneur, create something. It's to get a grant. So you have some of the, like, the brightest, smartest Africans instead of like trying to create businesses and of course some of them do but i noticed a lot of really the smartest people i meet were coming trying to write grants and just trying to get money instead of focusing on starting a business building something from the grassroots so it's almost like some of the help that we're providing is not really helping long term it's just they're gaming it you know they're figuring right. out the game and trying to get the money that way well that is a fascinating aspect of that about africa is that that's the the head the nigerian scammers i mean they're so famous like mm -hmm. the nigerian scammers like everybody has heard about nigerian scams there's been so many of them and so many of them where the dudes just get so duped like it's always like a guy and they pretend that they're a girl I can't get the gold out love. yeah i can't get the gold dear you know sir how easy it is to get gold anywhere <laughs> Everybody will buy gold. So if anybody comes to you and says, hey, I just can't sell this gold, man, they're full of shit. And the other one is they, they like to do the inheritance one. You know, you've inherited, yeah. so you have to pay some legal fees. Right. Just a few grand in legal fees, and the money's coming, bro. It's a fucking going to be the craziest thing you've ever seen. You, you, gotta, you never run out of money forever. Start buying a house. I mean, you can use it. You don't even need a down payment. Just tell them about this, and <laughs> you'll just take Money in the bank. Nigerian scammers, I guess. They just got like super desperado, a bunch of smart dudes, and then just hopped in and started figuring out how to scam white people. Or they're not even Nigerians, and somebody else just hopped on the fucking, oh, Nigerian right. scams are working. Let's do it. Right. Like Nobody they took knows shit about an, Nigeria. They took it to the next level. They pretended to be Nigerian. <laughs> right. But they're really like from Sweden or some shit. Yeah. Speak Go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of... Uh, Sweden or some shit. I was thinking of foreign countries where this guy can go that leaked this uh, the NSA documents. Who's uh, he's hiding? You know this whole story? Yeah, more another WikiLeaks kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the one that showed us that the uh, NSA has been following uh, every phone call on Verizon. It's been collecting metadata about every every transaction you have, every every interaction that you've had. What do you think the ultimate end game is for that? I guess it's if anybody, you know, is a problem, they can just go back to the records and fuck you up, right? Is that the idea? Because they're not going to be able to yes. pour through that data and just pick on people because someone said, oh, yeah, I'm going to smoke some weed or whatever. I mean, I really don't think that's the plan. I think it's just they have it yes. just in case they need to I think, yeah, that's the idea. Knock you down, you it's know? not that they want to invade your privacy, but that if you turn out to be a creep, they want it to be really easy to be able to pull out any data on you. The problem is that's like so Orwellian and you're giving totally. people this incredible power to peer into people's privacy. And, you know, what do we lose in return for that? Well, we re really re we lose all privacy. 
because all privacy when you're interacting with unless you're talking in a in a closed room and even then like if you go into like foreign places like that, that are like working on secret shit like you know embassies and stuff they won't let you bring iPhones do you know why because you can't take a battery out of an iPhone and Amber Lyon taught us that like she's gone in like when she was working for CNN she'd do these like big time interviews and she would have to get an Android phone so they could take the battery out because they want, don't want anybody otherwise they can have that right. thing working remotely and they can spy on you I mean, all that technology is available. They could just set your phone off while you're hanging it out uh, in your office planning your dastardly attack on Gotham City, you know, with your fucking superhero friends or whatever, and they can record it all. You know, that would, that would be less scary if every law in the U.S. was perfectly just. Right. You know, there was only just laws. You're allowed to experiment with your own consciousness. You know, whatever, all of these other... Financial not, system fina- has to yeah. be cleaned up first. But um, imagine that. I mean, all the shit that we're worried about, what are what are we worried about? We're worried about eh, smoking weed. I guess someone could fuck you up maybe if, you have, if you're being unfaithful to your girlfriend, but you shouldn't be doing that shit anyways. But, you know, that's something that it's still, it's nobody's business. But I mean, if at least the laws were just, then it wouldn't be such a pain in the ass. But because we have all these unjust laws where we can be thrown in jail for an indefinite period of time, you know, well, those it two becomes things scary you, you, for everybody. Yeah. Those two things you brought up, too, should have absolutely nothing to do with the law. Infidelity yeah. or marijuana or right. whether what, this has nothing to do with the law. Nothing law should the law. be all about protecting people. That's it should it. be protecting people from violence, protecting people from theft. Protecting people from injustice and and ensuring a harmonious uh, community, and that you know that's really what it if should. That's be That's what all about. the laws were. You'd be pumped to yeah. see the cops. You'd be yeah. like, oh sweet, the cops are here. Yeah. Awesome, they're gonna keep everything safe. You yeah. know, instead of being like motherfucker, stop creeping. Well, you know, I've been really like I said, I've listened to this Dan Carlin podcast. I've been I've listened to like dozens of them over the last couple of weeks, and it's it's amazing how good we have it today. Just compared to like the 1500s, mm-hmm. like the way the people were living just 500 plus years ago is just it, it's total insanity, total insanity. We would we would be in hell if we were forced to be back there. It was such a short period of time ago. It's like we, without a doubt, there's a lot of room for improvement in mm-hmm. this society, in this culture, but we're seeing an awareness right in front of our eyes that I'm not even sure if we've totally understood the impact of it yet. Because what you're seeing with like this NSA leak thing and WikiLeaks, you're seeing this forced response in this grand global way. Like they have to respond to these things in a global way. Like the whole UK is, they're writing articles about it and newspapers are writing articles about it. Hong Kong, the fact that this guy was on the run, the FBI is looking for him. This is a a worldwide publicity disaster (laughs) for the NSA. And it's been created by one person who took a stand. And now they're going after that person as if he's some sort of a terrorist. One person that showed that, hey, you guys are kind of violating the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on here? Do we have a Constitution anymore? Oh, no, this NDAA thing that you fucks passed, that sort of bypassed the Constitution. So now all this illegal shit, or that used to be illegal, you made it legal, so you think you're doing an okay job. Is that what's going on here? This is clearly bad governing. Clearly. And I think that transparency is being exhibited in like this reaction to this NSA whistleblower thing where people, you know, like the president's having to defend it now. And one of the things he was saying, I was just talking about this to Duncan 
we were talking about how Obama was like, you know, well, this is something we should definitely have a debate about. We can, I'm definitely open to talking about this. Well, really, well, why was it a secret then? Yeah. Why did somebody have to leak this? Why didn't you discuss this with people and explain the pros and cons of losing this much secrecy, of losing this much privacy? That's ridiculous. That's the, that, there's, there's not that many threats to this world. I don't buy it. I think they're doing a great job in shutting down threats. If you stop and look at how many threats and have turned into actual terror attacks, besides the Boston one and besides a couple other ones, there's very few. Very few. They're, when you compare them to actual days of the week, you compare them to actual human interactions that take place sure. throughout 50 states and numerous cities all throughout the day, all over the time, there's very few, like those shitheads from Boston. There's very few, like, you know, whether it's a, a 9-11 that happened in 2001 or... Because they can squash most of them without reading every fucking email you send. Yep. They shouldn't be able to read everybody's shit. No. That's ridiculous. You know, I think if you could prove that you were just and that you were looking out for the best interest of man, maybe you should be able to go and, like, look into this stuff without a warrant. But because it's been proven, like, the IRS goes after conservative Tea Party groups, like, much more than they go after liberal people. They, like, they just got busted for doing that. Like, chasing down these Tea Party fucks and making their life hell. Harassing them. Like, making their their experience with paying their their just taxes much more difficult. Well, the beauty is, is that the age of information, the Internet, is allowing all of these people to band together and make a force on their own. Because yeah. back in the day, imagine if you had to gather a large group of people. You know, you, you, would have, you couldn't do it. You'd yeah. have to put out an ad, and then you'd have to get that ad approved by whatever newspaper you were going to do. I mean, or find a, a reputable news outlet that you could go tell your story to. But now with the internet, these things can spread, and these things can gather, and people can communicate. And that's a force that I don't think the powers that be are fully comprehending and are ready to reckon with. Diane Feinstein was explaining that we needed to do these things because uh, we need to stop terrorism. And she was, when she was saying this, I was imagining that this person gets to speak for me. I was imagining like the ridiculousness of this, this person getting to speak for me, this silly person, who if there was a couple of us and she started talking, we'd be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> stop talking. You're talking nonsense. Like, you're talking nonsense. If she was just around us yeah, right now sure. and she was explaining why that would be important, she would look like a buffoon within yeah. a couple of minutes' time. She would be stammering. It would be a disaster. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's a, there's no argument there. And there's not a single argument that you could point to where a competent society that cares about its citizens and it cares about the quality of life, which includes respect for your privacy, that that culture would allow these ass fucks to just download every email you send. Duncan had a great way of describing it today. He said, could you imagine if the government in the 1960s said, hey, everybody that sends a letter through the mail, we're we're going to take it it and Xerox it, and then we're not going to read it, but we're going to have it, and then we're going to send it back to you. And we're going to just keep all your letters in a storage facility in Utah. You'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You don't get to read my letters. Right. Why do you need to read? You're just, because when a person calls themselves a cop, or so the CIA or the FBI, they put themselves into some sort of a group. Now all of a sudden they believe they have power that a regular person doesn't have. Because if there's only two people on the planet, you and Mr. FBI guy, and Mr. FBI guy's like, I believe you might be plotting terrorism, so I'm going to read your emails. You're like, emails to who, you fuck? It's just you right. and me. No, you can't read my email. Get out of here. Go fuck yourself. You're just a person. But when you're in a group 
and you're the NSA or the CIA or the FBI or any fucking other three letters you want to string together, all of a sudden you have the power to go and do really rude shit to people. You know, and yeah. that that's the problem with the big groups. And and rude by throwing them in jail indefinitely. Yeah. I mean, beyond rude. I mean, it's rude it's when your girlfriend reads your phone texts, even if you haven't done anything wrong. You know, it's it's just rude, rude when people Amen. dig into people's phones. Yeah, it's yeah. A, I mean, I write so I write in journals and things like that. And one of like the most sacred things to me is that nobody picks those motherfuckers up. Because if somebody goes in and reads that journal, that means that every time I'm writing my innermost thoughts, there's going to be a little censor voice up there saying, oh, well, what if somebody reads this shit? I better not write this exactly how it is. Ooh. And as, as soon as that censor voice comes on, the whole, uh, the whole practice of writing in the journal is fucked. That's Just why you should always write in a journal after you beat off. <laughs> that way you're at your most honest... I you already know you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Just spell it out. I, re- I think that- I recently got out of a situation where somebody did that, you know, where somebody went in my phone and screenshotted every single text I have, every single photo, every thing, and sent it to themselves. And that, that now questions me when I talk to anybody, because even if it's something legit, I'm, I, I don't even want to type it down anymore because of that. Yeah. I mean, there's like that program that's popular right now, Snapchat, you know, where you send a photo and then it expires in three seconds of your balls and stuff. People found out a way to hack that now, so you can go in there and take all those photos and all those videos that are supposed to be, you know, gone forever. Well, all you have to do, they're so silly, all you have to do is have two phones. Right. And you take a, take fi- photo, a photo, of photo of the photo, right. and that way you don't even have to get a screenshot. You and fucked you have up the, photo. the game. There was so yeah. many... It's a weak game. Yeah. That weak game there is weak. There are so many yeah. vagina these... shots that you just censored. No, these motherfuckers <laughs> are playing tic-tac-toe. Listen, there's no girls with workable vaginas that we're going to send good pictures anyway. These, yeah, it's all this. The game's terrible. It's a terrible game. But that is, that is scary, though. If you think about because texting is so popular nowadays, yeah. you don't realize what you're typing to people. Right. Like, you're typing secrets that only you and that person's supposed to know. Right. You know? And then, like, six months later, the NSA you, you lose it. your phone. Or you lose your phone, and you're yeah. like, oh, look at this guy. What he's talking about. Oh, look at this. Ooh. You, know, you don't think of shit like that. You should make your journal. You should, you should, like, write it in, like, a very specific, like, do you have those, um, you know those uh, scholastic? white and black uh, book covers. Mm-hmm. It's like that weird pattern yeah. that they had, and it was a like, hard like, cover. Like TV that yeah. was sperm everywhere. Well, you should only out. write in those, right? And write my journal, and then make up a dummy one with one of those ink bombs like they have for bags that they give away <laughs> right. and during bank yeah. robberies. And once you open some of your shit, blammy! Right Purple in the mug. all over your face. Yeah, yeah. Hands. Green with envy and rotten desire. Boom. Just you fucking green <laughs> fuckhead all over the I like dirty it. green, like a rotten, stinky like green. Or not. Or don't write ridiculous shit <laughs> on paper and leave it around your house. If I was staying over your house, I'd probably fucking read it. <laughs> if, I, if I went to use your bathroom and I took a leak and I was like, what is this motherfucker writing? And I'm on the shitter reading, your, and you're like, why are you still in there, man? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm constipated. Hold and on, then you finish. realize that your book is in there and I'm reading your book, most likely. Yeah, don't leave your bath. Don't leave your journal in the shitter. Yeah, but I ain't gonna cut it. It, I only have books in the shitter if I'm not taking my kale shakes. Because if I if I'm on a regular kale shake program, gets the job done. I always the way I describe it is like a tunnel, and then those zombies from (laughs) World War Z are running down 
down the tunnel, just all stacking on top of each other, that's what the kale shake is. It just fills up your entire pipe with a thick, <laughs> green, gooey substance, because I down about 30 ounces, uh-huh. and then those motherfuckers just push everything out, and Kitty it's a wild ride. That's what you Yeah, man, you know what, dude? I told you we, um, someone on the message board actually found out how much of that shit is in kale right. as opposed to other things. Celery has more than kale. Yeah, like, well, he, the doctor said that. The doctor said that while he was here. I don't know. I feel good when the, I, the doctor. The, not the doctor. Dave Asprey? You Dave him Asprey. A doctor? I didn't mean that. How dare you? But he said that on yeah. the podcast, but it still has a lot in it, though. No, he, I don't think he said that. I think he said celery had less, actually. He was, whoever corrected him online, apparently they corrected him. What he said was incorrect. It's just a misstate, whatever he said. But the way to combat that, apparently, that's effective is calcium. And adding calcium to your kale shake is supposed to offset the effects of any of that acid. Take your nightly TPC. It's got it in there. But what I was going to say is people discount how, you know, the feedback that you're getting from your body yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like... It, you feel good when you have a kale shake, right? Like yeah. you can feel it. Like if there was something poisonous in that, I really trust that the body would be like, "Yo, you know, don't drink, don't AIDS drink this." Pussy yeah. feels You're good. This. Regular pussy. No, it doesn't. It's supposed <laughs> to be really warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, people. It's the same. I mean, you can apply that same if you really kind of pay attention to those signals coming back. You can learn a lot yeah. from that, and that's you know, with this you know the earth grown nutrients thing that Mike Dolce is always preaching about. You can tell the difference. And then you get these weird kind of ideas. I mean, I, I like a lot of the Asprey principles about high fat. But if you take some of that stuff too literally and start hammering, like, lots of butter, and I, you just don't feel that great all the time, yeah. you know? But if you're following a more kind of common sense and just listening to the feedback from your body, it I tend to trust that more, just kind of feeling what feels good. Yeah, but it's also good to have some real science and knowledge behind it, too, which yeah, I think for sure. Asri, you know, he takes a lot of heat, but he knows a lot of he shit. Does. He and he's not a professional. So if he gets something wrong occasionally, you got to realize that guy also runs like an IT company. Mm-hmm. And people are always like accusing him of trying to hawk his items, which he definitely is like over bulletproofing everything. I asked him if he had a bulletproof wife, <laughs> if this goes home to his bulletproof marriage and has bulletproof sex. He's just. You know, he's just, he's starting a business. You he's, know? Got he's got getting, great ideas, though. He's got great ideas. But the point is, like, that guy had free shit up on his website for a long time. There's still a ton of free information, like, really in detail, excellent stuff that he's pulled down. He has references. He tells you where he read it. He tells you what it's about. He tells you what the benefits of these certain things are. It's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know that his... Like his his thing is trying. He's like he's on a quest to try to figure out the ultimate combination of foods and exercises and treatments for to rehabilitate injuries. And he, he's he's right about a lot of shit. Like he gave me a great tip on that prolozone therapy yeah. for for back issues. It's fucking tremendous. It's tremendous. He's got a lot of real wacky ideas. Bulletproof coffees, genius shit. Feels That's a good. genius invention. It's another one of those things where you can really feel it. Yeah, well, the, the combining it with fats so that it's a slow release yep. of caffeine, that's that's what coffee always needed. That's what coffee was missing all this time. Yeah. That fucking jolt that you get when you down, like, a 20-ounce Starbucks that's black. You get that weird, shaky, like, oh, fuck. This that is real druggy feeling. Too yeah. much, man. Yeah, but put some butter in there, put some coconut oil, some MCT, it changes the game. No yeah, doubt. just sl- that slow release. It's wonderful. You know what it's else has really too. changed the game for me? And, and maybe I'll tell my whole hunting story, too, here, if we 
if we want to get into it. But yeah. I've, uh, you know, I went out on that hunt down in South Texas, and you know, we got a lot of meat back from that hunt. And every single time I have that meat as compared to some other meat, I, I mean, the way that it, I feel it digest, the way that I feel it absorb in my, it's completely different. Yeah, it's you fantastic. Know, it feels completely different. And even if you're buying some kind of grass-fed cow steak, you know, this wild game that we went out and procured ourselves, I mean, it's not only delicious. I mean, everything we've had has been pretty fucking good. Maybe one dud. But most of the stuff, we're making fajitas, we're making stew, we're making tacos, we're making steaks, we're making stir yeah. fries, and all of this shit. You're making me hungry. Been, shit. <laughs> it's been amazing. But that was a really cool experience, and it may be something that we've, I know we've talked about doing something like that for on it. So so really how it could potentially work and and it's a challenging scenario. So, you know, hopefully we're work just know that we're working on it guys and potentially make this possible because I think the health benefits are there and the whole process is really valuable. Because if you've gone your whole life and I know you've made this pitch too, but if you've gone your whole life and all you do is show up to the grocery store, pick some cellophane wrapped piece of meat that all you identify is as a steak you know, you really don't get it. You really don't understand. Even what if you're you doing. do, you don't. Yeah, you know, you don't fully get it until you've been there inside the animal. You know, arms up to your, you know, arms covered in blood, actually cutting those pieces of meat out of something you've killed. That changes your reality. You know, then you have a full appreciation for what you're doing. So, so what we did out there in, in South Texas is there's these ranches. This one was ten thousand acres and. So there is a confined space. It is 10,000 acres. But these animals are procreating. They're just kind of loosely measuring the herds because they're mostly wild. The problem with hunting most native game is there's very select seasons in which you're allowed to hunt them. So you have to really kind of stock up. If you're going to hunt whitetail, you better be in October and you better have booked some shit in advance or go somewhere that's very small seasons. So what these exotic ranches have done, if it's non-native game, you're allowed to basically take animals from the herd all throughout the year. So they've gotten species of animals from different parts of the world. And they're just, you know, that country's version of the deer. So there's fallow deer, which come from Europe. There's some black buck, which come, I think they're from Indonesia, tiger food. There's some axis deer, which also come from around that area. Black buck might be somewhere else. But, and then there's oryx and addicts and all these different kind of antelope and deer that they get. And they're just living... They're living it up out in South Texas. The, the plants down there have roughly 30% protein, and even though they're sparse, they have pretty good adequate protein. And when there is kind of a drought, they do supplement it with a little extra food as well. But they're pretty much just living off the land and thriving and procreating. And so you're going down there, and not only is it like a cool safari where you're seeing all these exotic creatures, you're actually able to go out and take your rifle and hop out on some sticks or you know, track them down in these kind of outdoor vehicles, which are like these commando-style Suburbans, and go hunting for an animal that you're going to take then and butcher and have meat for. Man, I've been eating the same deer for like three months now. So it's a really fucking cool experience where you're out there in the land, and these animals are, you know, ostensibly as wild as, as other animals. I mean, they're not sensitized to the truck. A few of the species are. They get kind of used to the truck. And that would be a little weird to shoot. But these black bucks, I mean, I was out there hunting for the entirety of the day. And I and I was really didn't think I was going to get one. You know, I was hoping to get one. But I kind of 
said, you know, all right, if, if today's not the right day to take an animal, so be it. So we're out cruising around, and every animal that came within about 250 yards was just scattering. And I knew the ballistics on my gun. I wasn't going to comfortably take a shot that was over about, you know, 150 to 180, just because at that point, my particular ballistics on the bullet, the bullet was going to drop about four to six inches, and I didn't So really, you'd have to gauge that? So you'd have to gauge that. Do you have, like, one of those goggles that you look through and it gives you the number? No, I didn't have that. So it was all mm. by, you know, I had, we had a guide there, and he'd be like, yeah, that's about 190. <laughs> oh, take him out, son. That's about 190. Get her done. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, so we finally, it's the very end of the day. I didn't think I was going to get anything. And uh, we see this black buck doe at the very top of the hill, about 260 yards away. And... Instead of scattering, I was like, oh, great. She's just going to run away like everything else does. Instead of scattering away, it ran, like, right towards the truck for 80 yards. So it was, like, at 160. And this is, like, right when the sun was kind of starting to set. Definitely the last chance I had. So I made, like, a quick makeshift brace. Saw it in the crosshairs, tried to steady my heartbeat from pounding and try to keep the crosshairs from dancing all over the thing, seeing sky, seeing ground, and then focus in, take a deep breath. And then it just kind of turned just the right way, and I pulled the trigger. Wow, you know, the big blast. And then it was just full adrenaline from there. I saw it rear up in the air, fell to the ground, and I remember, you know, running up to it because I knew that if it was in pain, they say to kind of wait and see if it gets up. I wasn't really down with that. I wanted to make sure that if it was there, that I could, you know, ease its suffering as quickly as possible. So I just dropped the gun and went up there. I knew I, I hit it pretty good. And sprint it up. Why'd you drop the gun? Uh, it's just it was heavy and clumsy. I, well, I had a knife on my a knife. I had a knife in my on my side. So you're gonna do it knife style? You weren't gonna use the gun? No. Well, because the gun can spoil meat, right? If you miss with the gun, you could hit a shoulder, which is gonna be ten pounds of meat. You could, you know, miss and clip some back strap. You could, you know, really the mm. cleanest way to do it to preserve the meat, which is why you're doing it, so right. you can kill less animals, is with a knife. Dude, and, be honest. You were excited about killing it with a knife. There's something about you, you right now I'll that's t- creeping me out. I'm thinking of you going to straight caveman, <laughs> biting an ear while you saw in the neck open. <laughs> well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you all the emotions that went through, really, at that point. So Just leave out horny. Yeah. <laughs> right. That didn't, that didn't cross the path. <laughs> so, you know, I mean... So we ran, ran up there, and it, you know, obviously your heart's pounding, and it's a really weird experience. And I go up, and I see it, and it was still alive, but it was probably bleeding out. It was definitely bleeding out. I caught a piece of the heart, a lot of lung, and uh, it was definitely bleeding out, but I wanted to make sure that it didn't suffer. But at the point that I got up there, the feeling wasn't any feeling of like, you know, it was nothing but just pure gratitude and appreciation for this animal. And I put my hand on its neck and pulled the knife out, which is, you know, actually a very special knife to me. It was one that my uncle gave to me before he passed away. And and I, you know, put my hand on its neck and quieted myself and then put it into the heart. Woo. And I could feel the heart reverberating through the blade of the knife into my hand. Whoa. And I pulled it out and just kept my hands on it, one hand on its chest and one hand on its neck and could kind of sense the life leave the body and you know i said a little prayer kind of avatar style um wrote one up before annis you know basically the idea is um you know as your spirit goes back to the source to nourish new life may your flesh you know nourish our bodies in this life 
you know, thank you, sister. That's very Avatar like. It was very Avatar like. If you said it next to me, and I would never let you live it down, <laughs> I'd be saying yeah. thank you, oh sister. <laughs> it's true. While but we're eating me, it, I'd be laughing. <laughs> for I'd be me like, and you our guide, silly bitch. And our guide would would do the same thing. Most of the people down in South. The guide Texas, did it too. No, that they would say the same thing as you. I mean, this is oh. this is for me what I needed. To I do. thought you were saying they would say the same right. thing as you. Like, what <laughs> no, kind no, no, no. Hippie Nobody Texas would say. Nobody would say the same thing as me. But for me, that's what I needed to say. Like that's the way. I'm giving you a hard time, but the reality is that's a beautiful way of approaching it. I mean, it's just something easy to make fun of, and I'm a hack. <laughs> it was right there. I couldn't let it so, go. <laughs> but then, uh, so our, I look at its eyes, its face, and its face was covered in these spines. And so I thought it hit a cactus. And they were like all up in its eyeball and stuff like that. And then the, I smell the flick, I hear the flick of a lighter and a cigarette, and it's our you know, country guy, he had like a Budweiser and a cigarette. I don't know, he's a South Texas guy. Like, he says, oh, porcupine spines. You know, you you won't see that one time in a thousand. And so basically some porcupine had whacked it in the face and the spines were working their way through its eyeball. So it was like kind of a cool feeling to know that at that point, you know, I had taken an animal out of its misery, right. so to speak, too, yeah. which was not necessarily my idea. You know, I was going to take an animal that presented it, but that happened to be the one that presented itself. But then the really weird thing happened. I got really angry at the porcupine. Like my love for the animal, my appreciation for the animal <laughs> was so strong that I fucking hated that porcupine. Really? Like I felt like that was an enemy. Like if someone I think you know, you're slapped your sister. Yeah, no. The porcupine, all it did is poke it in the eye. You fucking stabbed it. <laughs> but that's what Shot weird, it right? and stabbed right? it. That's what's you went weird. straight Detroit on that fucking <laughs> poor deer and you're like, cunty porcupine. That's, that's what's ironic. Is that I mean I'm the killer. I killed it. The porcupine was just doing its thing, but I hated the porcupine like it was something that like slapped a friend of mine. That's so like weird. That. Yeah. Well, I guess you had an intense experience with it. Yeah. So then you know, and then from there we went there and skinned it. You know, you have yeah. to avoid the stomach because the stomach smells like old guacamole. It smells terrible. Right. So I tried not to puncture that. I got a little nick in it, but I did a pretty good job. And then you clear all the guts out, and then you know cut all the pieces away. But then we went fully from there to skinning it and then butchering it entirely. And it was cool to feel, you know, the best part of the meat is the tenderloin. You know, that's what, you know, these filet mignon, Chateaubriand, that's what all this tenderloin meat is. It's really tender. But not until I was up in there actually cutting the tenderloin out and feeling what it felt like. It feels more like organ meat than regular meat. You know, did I understand like, oh, this is a different part of the animal. You know, this part of the animal is up inside like the cavity itself. It's not on the exterior part. So it works less. It's just different. It feels different. Yeah. And that's why it tastes so delicious. And then the other parts, like the haunches, the back strap, they have like kind of a more sinewy, grittier feel. Well, the back strap is the uh, up along the, the, the spine. loin. It is the loin. Yeah. No, the back strap. Back strap is right along the spine. Right. On either side, on the exterior, the tenderloin is actually up inside the animal, underneath. Like you go inside the rib cage. So it's connected to the back strap. It's another section of it. No, it's completely different section. Hmm. The back strap I thought is it was along, the same thing. Yeah, no, the back strap is alongside of the spine, and then the tenderloin is up underneath the animal, part of the internal muscles that move the legs as well. There's a really cool video of a dude taking apart a pig. I have it on my Twitter um, if you want to see it. It's kind of fucked up. Like, I, It's on my Twitter from a while ago, so I don't know uh, what the uh, what the name of the video is. See if you can find it, Brian, because I know you're not doing anything else. You want to show that on Ustream? Uh, I think you can. Dude taking apart the pig. But my point is, when you watch it, 
like you watch like the set like they're oh well that there's bacon oh yeah. oh well there's the ham hocks oh well there's right. that there's this there's the pork loin there's the when you when you're watching it like be dissected from an actual pig broken down and he do, does it in like three minutes they're fast he, yeah this guy just hacks through this fucking thing he uses a saw in some spots this isn't it this, this is, is this is taken apart but this is taken apart a cooked pig this guy's got a raw one that's that's the one you want you want the raw pig Gross. I think this is probably yep well this isn't the one that I but I uh had seen but this is similar where they just start slicing through and it becomes it goes from an animal to meat and yep. it makes that weird transition but when you kill it yourself it never makes that transition. Even when it's meat, it's like there's a re you when you put that steak on the grill and you're seasoning it and you're cooking it, like this is a weird connection with that animal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most it's, people don't get that, you know? They yeah. don't ever have a chance to get that. Yeah. And it's uh it's definitely something something completely different. It changes your whole opinion of the meat. And you know, probably there's some there's some placebo effect in there because of your emotional state towards the animal but there's also you know really feels like there's something tangible there too you know yeah. some some deeper appreciation that actually manifests and i don't know i mean your mind is so important in so many bodily functions to think that your mind couldn't affect your digestion or absorption yeah. or things like that i don't think that's unreasonable either but whatever it is whether it's tangible or whether it's mental you know the connection and the way that you you know approach and digest assimilate that meat which was you know energy from another animal it's just different yeah and even if it's not i mean it is healthy and if you think it's different it becomes different yeah if you have this even like you can't it's hard to dismiss the emotional connection that you have to it because that emotional connection is very important it is There's emotional connections are something that people poo poo oh you're just emotionally attached to that well, maybe it's good, you know, maybe it's something that you like, you know, keep that thing, whatever right. the fuck we're talking about. Emotional connections are not necessarily bad. And if you have an emotional connection like that, it would make the meat feel better, make you feel better, like, about your sustenance. Every time we cook this deer, we're pumped. Yeah. Like, we're excited about it. Oh, this tastes so good. And it really does taste good. But just the feeling of having gone out there and, you know, caught it, butchered it, put it in our freezer and then cooked it up. It's like a connection to something that, you know, our ancestors have been doing for thousands of years. Yeah, it really is. It's weird. Even when you're doing it in a place with fences. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's not like going to Africa and taking out a wild zebra, yeah. but it which by the way, apparently are delicious. Apparently zebras taste good. I never had horse before till I went to Joe Beef in Montreal and they served us horse. Oh my god, it's goddamn delicious. A lot of cultures ate a lot of people, horse. Hate you saying that, man. They hate you saying that, and I I get it. I've seen people in their horses. That's like their dog. I mean, right? Is pony better? I wonder. Uh, it's probably like more tender, right? Smaller. <laughs> I don't know. The Shetland ponies are a little tough, tough little bastards. right? Yeah. Anything with like the crazy pom pom feet. Don't eat that. <laughs> right. It's probably a crazy ass. <laughs> Budweiser horses. Yeah, those are big fucking horses too, man. What are they? Chippendales? What are they called? Uh, Clydesdales. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Those can be big stallions too, Brad. <laughs> oh, you went with the gay voice. So when you went with the Chinese voice earlier and the gay voice now, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. So the, what we would do if we were going to have uh, an on it hunting thing is basically just use that 
branch and you know just work it through like they could do it through us through our website we explain it maybe map yeah. out your experience whitney's experience and yeah i'm gonna go there soon too my experience i want to shoot a buffalo yeah i got a bit and, and people are like it's not very sporting i just want to eat a buffalo and you i want to shoot a lot of meat i yeah. want to i have a giant freezer and i'm going to set it up to eat my own meat i just think it's the smart way to do it i think it's the healthiest way to do it and I think that wild game like that, whether it's buffalo or deer, and especially venison, I think is like the most delicious meat on earth. Elk is absolutely delicious. Mm -hmm. It's really the smart thing to do if you can do it. If you can, if you have the time, if you have the finances to to, to go to a place and and hunt, it's really the smartest way to gather meat. I mean, yeah. it's just it's a way we really should all do it. And if we did, we would have a totally different sense of like this connection between man and nature. Absolutely, yeah, and you could combine it with a lot of other cool stuff. We could do, you know, kettlebell training workouts, mace club in the day, get people familiarized with that aspect, you know, have some talks and discussions about different things in the nights and make a cool experience out of it. The problem is, is that you can't really get that many people with guns together <laughs> at the same time. And we got a lot of awesome customers who want to go do this, so it's like, you know, can we can we do these things at ten at a time every two months? I don't months? think so. You know, no, so not so the, the scalability thing. of the gun thing is really challenging. But we're going to try and get some face to face I, some some I, kind I of. I think program the going. only thing smart to do with the gun thing is to let them do it. Let the branch do it. We don't because uh, 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 yeah. you don't want to put people with psychos. Like we're going to have <laughs> four of you are going to go hunting together, and one guy's just shooting the ground under his feet and <laughs> trying to rocket yeah. jump. You know, what I mean. <laughs> 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 you never know what the fuck you're getting into That's when true. you meet some random strangers. It just uh, we, uh, we all love Alpha Brain. I love Alpha Brain. <laughs> you love Alpha Brain. Let's play most dangerous game. <laughs> <laughs> Rock paper scissors to go. Who gets killed? Silly tag. With yeah, the yeah. There's a lot of nuts out there. Is what I'm trying to say. But but having a place where you know you have like a gathering of the juggalos type situation for mm -hmm. on it fans. <laughs> Everybody gets together and does battle ropes till they throw up in the garbage. <laughs> Bell ropes, fucking shroom tech's amazing. And they <laughs> chest bump and uh, yeah. sounds like a natural progression for on it to start hunting. Well, not <laughs> on it start hunting, but on it have um, have uh, an option where we you know we right. connect you with one of those places. Yeah, it would be a, it would be a cool. Program. I would love to have like a Ted Nugent style setup, and That'd it's it's definitely not. It's the same as going out into like the woods of uh, Alaska yeah. and going and getting think, a brown bear. I think bear what I would call it is you call it, it conscious meat acquisition. Yes, you know? that's a great. Way it's like it. it's like you're acquiring your meat in a conscious way, and that's really yeah. it. It happens to be at the you know at the tip of a rifle, but yeah. that's really what you're about doing. Do laser laser tag hunting with animals. Well, it's a funny thing, man. People like, do that with photos. People you know, uh, try to get the crosshairs. Yeah, they do that. that. Oh. They, they close up on them. It's really dangerous with mountain lions. People try to do that. Um, the um, oh, fuck photo tag. What? What, what is laser tag? Is where you wear like a vest, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. You could put like like a vest up? on an animal, like a cat. You just have a laser ta <laughs> tag cat ranch, and you just try to shoot them because they're fast. People um, don't have any problem with fishing in a place where they stock the fish. Like, nobody has a problem yeah. with that. You go to a lake, and the fish are in the lake. Like, oh, they stocked it recently. It's great. You catch big trout. But if you go, like, to a, a fenced-in place and hunt an animal, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You, it's know? I, you know, I guess the mammal thing. You know, fish yeah. don't seem – they're so different from us. I had a cool experience fishing, though, recently. I've always gone rod and reel fishing. And that's really foreign. You're just kind of waiting around, and all of a sudden, zzz, and you're like, oh, shit. And you grab the rod, and you reel it in, and you hope you get something. And then someone, you know, whacks it on the head, and, you know – 
maybe you pull the hook out if you're brave. Sometimes you're with somebody who does it. Whatever that whole program is, it's it's different. But I went spearfishing recently, which was kind of like a little bit of a different paradigm as well. That one feels a lot different. It's like hunting, but for fish instead of fishing. Because you're out yeah. free diving with this elast- big wooden, you know, archaic looking thing with these bungee cords hooked to this little metal, you know, spear. And you're just free diving down, you know, eight, 10 feet and chasing after these fish and trying to spear them. So what is, is it a spear gun? Yeah. So basically it's the, an old the trigger, spear gun? the trigger releases the bungee cords. So you wrap these bungee cords like this, you pull them manually like this. Okay. And you, they go on this like rod, right? And this, the spear slides in a groove and the bungee cords are behind the rod. Right. And then when you pull the trigger, it just releases the thing that's holding the bungee cords, like a rubber band gun uh-huh. kind of. And so it releases that and that, propels the 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 spear forward through the groove and the spear is attached to a cord right so the bungee cords it's all full manual energy you pull the cords back wrap it around and then release it and the bungees go but it's really particularly challenging because as soon as the spear hits the water it starts to dive a little bit it doesn't always go perfectly straight because of resistance it's not like air so how close do you have to get um you know, good people who are good could probably do it, you know, 12 feet, you know, 15 feet, maybe even maybe even farther. People who suck, like me initially, like I had to get like right up on these fish to get them like six feet, you know, eight feet. How many did you miss before you got a one? A ton, a fucking ton. <laughs> I was missing them constantly. And you're swimming around, there's hard current. But the cool thing is, is some of the fish you can catch with the hook, like you can get snapper, which is really delicious. But the guide on the boat, and I was down in Mexico doing this. The guy on the boat was telling me that parrotfish taste like lobster, and I should really get parrotfish. Well, parrotfish are these little—they have this little tiny mouth. All they do is eat algae, and you never catch them with a hook because you can never get a hook in their little tiny mouth because you got nothing they want to eat that's on a hook unless you had a really algaed hook or whatever. But it would never happen. So, but with spearfishing, you can actually target these fish. And so we got one. Actually, Whitney got it. I didn't get it. I fucking kept missing him. <laughs> she was way more gangster with the spear gun. I'll admit that. Now. But anyway, so she got one of these parrotfish, and then we brought it back to the boat, and I was really curious to eat it. We brought it in. The chefs cooked it right away, and it was fucking delicious. Best like, fish ever? One of the best fish that I ever had. It was like a cross between like a f- nice flaky white fish and like lobster, like somewhere in the middle. Wow. It had that kind of that richer... Uh, kind of crustacean taste and texture. I want to go there some... and kill one just to eat Fuck it. Fuck yeah, yeah, it was so good. We had that, and I had triggerfish ceviche, which is another type of fish that you would never catch. Wow. So it opens up the possibilities. And these fish are plentiful. It's not like there's endangered, they're endangered species. Did you see any there. sharks? I didn't. But that's dangerous when you're spearfishing because the sharks will, you know, know that there's fish because when you hit the fish, there's fish guts exploding out oh, the Oh, Jesus. So if there are sharks, it's not an optimal situation. So doing it like off South African coast would be a bad idea. Some dude just got jacked in France on Did his he? honeymoon. Da, 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 da. Was it a tiger shark? Surfing. Uh, I do not know what shark it was, but I do know that it was the third guy in two years to get jacked there. Too many for my count. Yikes. You know what they should have? They should have a restaurant. They have these in Japan where it's just like this humongous saltwater pool in the middle. Hey, where you, you guys talk, fish, I got a piss. Where you fish... And you catch your own dinner. 
and it seems like more places would have that. Like you just have pretty much a huge aquarium, and you kind of get the the fun of catching your own fish and then eating it <laughs> on top of it. Back when I was thinking of silly Las Vegas restaurant ideas, right. I thought of an idea where you had that with like lobsters and crabs and all kinds of stuff, and that you could tell a, a mermaid someone with a mermaid fin to go down and you'd point to the one you want and the mermaid would go, okay, that's the one you want. And she'd dive down and swim and grab it for you and everybody could sit around the tank and watch the mermaid swim around in there. there there's a, there's a, if anybody's uh, here that idea and wants to take it, go ahead. Yeah. I don't need any credit. I just want to go. Just give me a reservation. There's a bar in uh, Sacramento called, I think, the Mermaid Bar, where it's just this huge, long bar, and on the top there's this humongous uh, aquarium, and they just have hot chicks in a, like mermaid outfits just swimming back and forth, and it's so eerie to just <laughs> see like this mermaid chick just yeah. swimming in, uh, above you. But what sucks is everyone just sits there and takes photos, like no one's even talking; they're just taking photos of the mermaid, right? And there's no real point to it, so right. it feels gimmicky. <laughs> like if they were actually fetching, fetching stuff, for fetching you. stuff, for working for you. for you, yeah. Or maybe you know they're trying to catch shit with a net, like you have fish in there, like you're saying. Yeah, they also have this uh, restaurant. I've been researching a lot of things in Japan lately, but they have this restaurant called the No Panties uh, Restaurant, <laughs> I knew you were where they have there. they have. Why this, did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> they have this uh, this this thing. Uh, what's a like a conveyor belt? going around the top of the restaurant they just have huge dishes and so you just go there to your waitress and you're like i would like that roast beef and then she sits stands up on this like thing to get it why'd you, you choose roast beef exactly <laughs> <laughs> and she's got no panties and she's got no panties on and so there needs to be more restaurants like this in america i mean you know? if you really liked a girl you would be constantly getting more dishes more food yeah what do you do you think that america's just too savage and that people would just start Grabbing her and they wouldn't be able to just let her do that. I guess. Maybe. Is that what it is? I mean, there's not many restaurants like that in America anyway that are crazy. Like, there's that restaurant Dicks where everyone just, they just like are an asshole to you the whole time. Just, I just like, think that yeah, I would not female. Go there. I think that most partners, most spouses, in you know, in America, just would not allow, would not go there, and would not of allow course. their husbands or boyfriends or anybody yeah. to go there. Period. Ever. It's not exactly family not like style. Yeah. No. No, but there should be more adult restaurants. Like, have a Hooters where there's just just no top? Well, they do. I mean, that place in Florida that we went to. It's called a strip club, Brian. It exists. They serve wings, and there's no tops. (laughs) Yeah. It's already been done. Yeah, Rachel's (laughs) best food ever. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with looking at a little box while you're having some roast beef. Mm. I'm not. Little, little vagina, and just like there's nothing wrong for the gals to, to go to Cox and get some chicken while yeah. dudes are swinging dicks in front of them. Hot dogs. They really want What's wrong with it? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Whatever they want. Let them do what they want, right? Isn't that? Wouldn't that be better? And let us all decide what we actually like instead of confusing the shit out of Catholic school girls by telling them the cock is bad. Who's the biggest freaks ever, right? Catholic school the girls. Repressed. Did yeah. you ever uh, have a Catholic school girl experience? Oh, yeah. One of my first girlfriends yeah. in Catholic high school, all girls high school, and everyone, every girl in that class was rabid. <laughs> rabid. They got a hold of some cock. As soon as they got out of school, they would just start jerking dudes off. They couldn't help themselves. Yeah. They were in a trance. Anytime you repress <laughs> those <laughs> natural instincts, yeah. you're going to get everything all It's fascinating, up. isn't it? Mm-hmm. That girl was easily one of the like most sexually explosive girls I had ever dated ever. 
Like, it, like as soon as you would start making out, she would go full, like, satanic possession. It was insane. <laughs> she was insane. rich with so many other emotions of yeah. sin and danger and all of these things wrapped up with an already exciting sexual experience. Yeah. And it's just too much to have. Yeah. And we were both 17. You know, <laughs> right. what the fuck you're doing when you're 17? You're just, you're, you're like just a, a meat machine just moving to the whim of hormones. <laughs> That's why I like those dick pills. That's what happens to me. It's not, though. It's not the same. It's not the same. You're forcing it. You're like, I know this is going to feel so good. <laughs> Plop, glug, 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 glug. There's a big difference between that and when you... Do you remember those 17-year-old boners? Those things were ridiculous. They would hurt. Your dick would get so hard it would hurt. Dude, my dick felt like it was going to blow up this morning. Mm. Yeah, I, but you're on <laughs> pills, man. You're on some wacky fucking shit that you got at a couch store. I, I had to do the thing where I had to take a shit when I woke up this morning, so I had to like have a bucket uh, that I usually use to clean oh, my yeah, dog, like, and, and so I could pee in the bucket because I couldn't tuck my dick down <laughs> while I was shitting. Well, you got to learn it's how worse. to have better balance. You got to look at it like doing a downward dog, <laughs> and just grab a hold just, of the top of the lid of the you know the top where the upper deck is, right? And then just bend down and push your dick down. Yeah, but don't it's push like your balls. Oh, don't push your balls style. so far back that yeah. it gets in the way of your shit. Yeah, because that's yes. going to tick yeah. slide right down your balls. You're going to have to do one at a time. That's what you're going to do. I could have. to. Yep. You yep. have a fucked if up I, rock back and forth. I mean, when you guys shit, you can't really stop that pee. That's like a pee that you can't stop while you're shitting because it will stop the shit also. You know hmm. what I mean? And then if Never you try to stop it. Never thought about it that deeply. <laughs> but now I am forced to. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually shit with a boner, though. I just oh, wait. really? Yeah, um, I just wait. Well, dude. Brian is constantly on Silas. <laughs> He's just all day, never... every day. Can't get rid of boners. It's affecting the way he shits. He's like holding it in because he knows his boner lasts for six hours. Another three hours, I'll be able to shit. Yeah. So one of, uh, one of the story, one of the stories I've been reading after reading Daniele Bellelli's book, I went back and reread some of my uh, biographies of Rasputin. You know anything oh, about that guy? Yeah. He so had a he wart would, on his dick. Yeah. Freak yeah. bastard. Yeah, apparently he Chips had a foot-long dick with a wart at the root of it. Well, didn't like they the save it after they killed they him? Did. Yeah. Yeah. The, guy, the guy, well, apparently... the, the Prince, pull it up, Brian. This Prince Putin's cock. Prince Yusupov was uh, apparently tried to make homosexual advances at Rasputin, who wasn't feeling it. Rasputin was an old, hard-drinking Siberian peasant wizard. Right. And he liked women. And that was part of the adaptations he made to his religion is that he was he always struggled with the fact that yep you know you couldn't have sex in christianity but he wanted to be a you know man of deep faith brian's right there under google images <laughs> rasputin's cock they really do have it holy shit so <laughs> so yeah he uh oh god put it up he, he would he would go and, and he'd struggle with it you're he allowed would... to have that on Ustream. i talked to brad today <laughs> It looks like a potato and put a, that up on Ustream, and please. a banana. Have Look at that. That is Rasputin's dick. But apparently, he could he could basically Penis, like that's so fucked up. So he made an exception in his religion. He uh, he saw some birds singing, and this is his story. The birds were singing, and they were moved by sexual desire to sing such a beautiful song. And if the God made the birds sing to create such a song and bring that out of them, then man's sexual desire must be for the same thing. And then he had this revelation in the forest, probably eating Amanita muscaria mushrooms. And then apparently he came across three three women bathing, and he made love to each of them in turn, Whoa. and then prayed more clearly than he'd prayed in months. Of course. And it was solidified. Yeah, really, because your mind is God totally clear. stud was a giant dick. <laughs> so, Fuck him. So after that point, he was like, okay, so God didn't strike me down, and I'm praying better than ever. So he adapted that to his uh, kind of philosophy, but apparently he had, you know, he was kind of a, a bit of a, 
hypnotist, wizard, whatever. I don't know how far you want to go with his powers, but the reports were that he could contract and dilate his pupils at will, like through mental control. So he could do like weird shit and he had a huge dick and would just made just cut a swath through all of Russia. Well, just that just saying, saying that, everybody. that he was able to dilate his pupils at will, it probably means he was on drugs. Probably. Yeah, most likely. Probably. A giant dick dude on drugs. <laughs> and yep. look, they cut and they, that's they, where they it's... cut it. They didn't cut it off at the end. Looks like they went in and kind of dug some of the dick out yeah, of it. Yeah, what they had to do to kill him. So apparently this guy Yusupov <laughs> invited him. A lot, of people old. Didn't, a lot of people didn't like him. You know, they hated him for... Yeah, he, was, he probably fucked everybody. He, there was a, accusations that he was fucking the Zarita because oh. he was healing Tsar Nicholas's son. Oh. So all these kind of you know people were jealous. At one point, one point he was having so much sex. He loved drinking and dancing and fucking. Oh. And he was in this bar and he's all haggard. And they're like, "You're not Rasputin." And he's like, "Like hell, I'm not." And he pulled his pants down and waved his dick around. And it was wow. like, "Oh, you're Rasputin." Okay, whatever. Damn. But anyways, this one guy wanted to Prince Yusupov apparently wanted to have sex with Rasputin. Rasputin wasn't down with it. And the tide of the tide had kind of turned against him in popular culture. And he told his family that he was probably going to die. So they go there and they start feeding him cyanide cakes, right? And apparently fed him enough cyanide cakes to kill many, many people. But that didn't work. Rasputin got a little bit sick and then he kept eating the cakes and he was like, play me some gypsy music, Yusupov, and started dancing. So they're like, oh, fuck, this isn't working. So then they, then they took out a gun, shot him in his back, bam, 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 shot him right in the torso in his back. And apparently he just roared like a bear and stared at him. So they all freaked out, started kicking him and stomping him and kicked his head in, kicked him so hard that his eyeball fell out and just totally beat him to a bloody pulp. And then wrapped him in a carpet, wrapped him in chains and threw him in a frozen river. And then when they found the body washed up, he didn't die of any of that shit. He died of drowning because they had the water that they saw in his lungs from him gasping for air. Wow. So whatever the fuck what this guy was doing, he was a strong motherfucker. Like no, they doubt were about really that. unhappy with him. Yeah, dude, his dick was eleven inches. That's big, and as thick <laughs> as most men's wrist. That's what it says. And apparently, the Russian women were all about it. That is incredible. In the, the dude was just super gangster. What do you mean it doesn't look that big? It's bigger than that chick's whole entire it's, head. It's soft. No, it's Dude, it is. Oh, you son of a bitch. I don't think you're allowed to do that. Brad from Ustream will frown upon those kind of shenanigans. We don't want to get them in trouble, Brian. Look, I think I found Bigfoot. Look in the jar. Shut the fuck up, dude. Stop. I've been talking to too many Bigfoot people, man. This 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 show has been very fascinating. I'm learning a lot. I can't wait to talk about it, but I can't talk about it yet. But I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot, a lot about crazy people, son. Sasquatches too? Oh, I'm learning a lot about everything. It's all connected. It's all, it's all connected. It's all connected. Oh, Psych- psychic, shit. Sasquatch, the whole thing. UFOs. It's Do you all shave all your pubes, Joe? Of, no. No, I shave my balls. Um, you do and shave I trim, balls? trim the upper stack. Do you put shaving cream on or you just lightly glide the... I'm glad you asked, Brian. I like to use a double blade razor and defense soap. I lather up the old saccharoonie. With soap. Get it nice and primed with soap, and then just the, the razors of today, you don't need Only to two blades, fucking, bro. You can go five blades. I don't know how many blades are on there because <laughs> I can't count. So I just get in there, whatever it you says. You never nick it? Never, son. These razors are so good these days. You're not going to nick it unless you're not paying attention. What about asshole? I let that go. You let it go. 
I'm like, welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. <laughs> I don't know what's going on back there. I leave it alone. <laughs> I wash it whenever possible and ignore it's it like the rest a, of the time. It's like a squirrel with a bullet wound. I'm very happy with the balls forward. Everything back this is an you... outsider. I don't know. I don't know where it fits in the equation. Does I don't your want shit look like a rake went over it? My shit usually <laughs> looks like like it's like a lot. Of, there's a lot of green in there, like chunks of Damn. leafy vegetables. Until I gorge on meat, and then it becomes hard, chunky. So, Brian, do you think that hairy vaginas are making a comeback? They are for they, sure. They are, but I, I mean, there's two different kinds. There's the ones that that have always had the hairy vagina, and then there's the girls that recently, like I'm taking care of this and bring it back because I. There was one recently where it was just like, no, this has not. This is like 70s vagina that hasn't been touched since the 70s, and I think that that's a little too much. Yeah, that's too much. That's disgusting. I don't. I. I you know what? I like it completely shaved. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's interesting, though, what a total victory porn has had over the way women take care of their vaginas. Complete, total victory. They've internalized the whole philosophy. Yeah, well, they had to keep up. They had to compete. Too many guys were, like, looking at these perfectly shaved vaginas and with girls licking them and, you know, beating off to them. And then the women catch them and they're like, ah, this motherfucker likes this (laughs) shit. I got to... Shave it all down. And like the little Hitler ones that the girls do, that's almost like, hey, you're putting an eyelash or an eyebrow on your pussy. That's creepier to me than having... Here's the thing, man. I never had a problem with the big bush. You know, when when girls started trimming it all down, I was like, yeah, I guess that's better. But do you remember like when you were in high school and girls never shaved it? Yeah. It was always craziness down there. It was chaos down there. Yeah. And you didn't get upset. You know, you didn't no. get bummed out. You remember, like, we'd tell stories, like, dude, all the way up to her asshole, just hair everywhere, <laughs> fucking hair all over her back. And this is a girl that I dated who had hair. She had hair everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. She had, like, her lower back was hairy. Oh. You know, she was hot as fuck, though, dude. It didn't matter. She was just. I could not deal with that. Oh, you could have. Trust me. You could have dealt with it. I'm definitely down with the, the whole hairy. A whole thing down there. It doesn't go. But then, but then the armpits still and the legs. (laughs) I can't. I can't deal with that yet. I'm not even good with that when I see a little light fuzz on their cheek. You know, when the sunlight hits it, right? That creeps me. But the armpits and like even the hairy legs, not so much. But the armpits still fuck me up a little. I was friends with a gal who went to uh, an all girls college in um, in Boston. I forget which one, but super, she was super left-wing, like the most left-wing person I ever dated. Like vegetarian, like full-on. Her friends didn't shave their legs at all. She didn't shave her legs either, but she was blonde, so you mm-hmm. couldn't tell. Right. But her friend looked like a hobbit. It was the strangest <laughs> thing ever. I, we, I went over her house. Her, her friend was Greek, and she had hobbit legs. Her legs were just black with hair and black feet. And like I'm, I feel like a complete and total hypocrite to say there's something wrong with that. Complete, yeah, total hypocrite. It doesn't really fit, right? It doesn't right? fit at all. How could I, how dare how, I say dare anything that's r- wrong with that? If that's her choice. But damn, it was gross. <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't matter. I, I have no business thinking it's gross. I'm fucking grosser for sure. But it was gross. I had to get out of there. It was freaking me out. It was fucking hairy feet. <laughs> it was just so weird. They were so weird. They were like, they were, f- they were both, they both came from money, money and educated parents, and uh-huh. they were like just fucking fighting the power, tooth and claw. And I guess I really appreciate that in a lot of ways. Like, you know, if you have like really oppressive parents or very strict parents and want you very rigid in their focus, you want to break away yeah. from that and like Make form a... completely radical uh, opposing opinions. Make a statement. But when the armpit hair starts creeping, like I've been to New Beach, it starts creeping over onto the tit, you know? You ever so did a girl with hair on her tits? 
Yes. On the nipples. Yeah. 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 Big hairs. They didn't do a damn thing. But only thing on the about. nipples. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. Esther had one. <laughs> yeah, Esther weird. had one really Bringing long. Bringing me back to weird places here now, Joe. <laughs> Esther had one really long and it got caught in my between my two front teeth and it plucked and she Ooh, screamed. Jesus, and... son. That's not true. It is. <laughs> wow. Oh, you God, just got called that. out, son. <laughs> you just got called the fuck out. Now, you need to tell the truth, though. Is it true or is it not true? Yeah, it's true. Totally true. Yeah, so somebody was rude. Somebody's rude for no reason. rude to Brian. Sorry, Brian. I apologize. No perfect person right there. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. It's late. It's 1030. I've been working all day talking to crazy people. And I talked to a senator today about UFOs. Can't wait to tell you, but you're going to have to. Hey, if anybody hasn't seen any of my latest videos, I just did one on the psychedelic experience. Pretty cool. Please try and check it out. Yeah, you're doing like these uh, Jason Jason Silva inspired. Video pills. Yeah, and they're fucking good, man. What was that, the one on the psychedelic experience? Yeah, it's just called the psychedelic experience. It's it's... Vimeo.com slash WarriorPoetUS. You can... Check them out. It's fun. That's a very good one. It's very fun. <laughs> I, I enjoy it very much. I like that you're doing that too, man. And it's really easy to criticize those things. It's really easy to mock them and make fun of. Yeah. And uh, if you were in front of me when you did it, I probably would have mocked you a little <laughs> bit. But it's not that yeah, it's not I'm good. Trying, and trying to put some, trying hey, to put some doing, info out you're, there. You're you know? putting the right vibes out there. And that's the problem with the right vibes is they've been co-opted by silly douchebags. <laughs> so if you get in that mix, that energy, vibe, love yeah, mix... Yeah. You can, you know, you immediately like, what, bitch, what are you doing? What are you trying to do over there? Are you starting <laughs> to call? Are you a shaman, you fuckhead? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you're trying to do the right thing, but there's so many people that aren't, that's that true. are mixed up in the same vein. I, that's why, I, I, I mean, I hear going to Burning Man's a lot of fun. Good fucking luck with that. Good luck with that, because there's at least 10 dudes there that you do not ever want to be stuck talking to. And they're, they're in a tent right next to you. There's at least 10 dudes. 10 dudes out of 20, I if would say, at least. Well, maybe, let's be super generous. If Burning Man has 50,000 people, I don't know how many people it has. If it has 50,000 people and 10 of them are just uh, insufferable twats, why would you go, right? Maybe because 10 of them are un- impossible inspirations. But the people that go to Burning Man, I know so many cool people that go. There's a lot of fucking Graham cool people Hancock that go. Hancock goes. And- so you go for those, you, you figure those guys balance out the... Yeah, if you could stay with them, stick close to the herd, don't stray. That just sounds like a lot of it's pretty intense. Just dust everywhere and just no sandwiches, (laughs) (laughs) bartering for everything. I get probably awesome. We've never gone. How can we talk about this shit? shit. We're like we're talking 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 about something we never did. We gotta go. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, all of you people out there enjoying Burning Man, why are you listening to the Fear Factor guy? (laughs) Okay, make up your own mind about shit. I don't even believe what I say. I'm just trying to fill three hours and entertain you in some way. And if you're tired of me, I'm tired of me too. So it's okay. It's all good, you fucks. This episode is brought to you by Hover. Please go to hover.com forward slash Rogan and get 10% off your domain name registrations, you sexy bitches. It's also brought to you by Onnit.com. If you go to O-N-N-I-T and use the code name Rogan, you will save 10% off any and all supplements. Go and check out all the cool new shit we have. If you haven't been there for a while, we got a lot of new stuff. So um, a lot of food, killer bee honey, because it's gangster. And, uh, Total human stuff. optimization. That's the goal. And thanks to all the yes. customers out there. You guys are some bad, bad motherfuckers. You're great people. I've really enjoyed interacting with all you guys. And I just hope that we can continue to be some small part in pushing you towards whatever your, you know, masterpiece of life is going to be. Whatever is going to help you be better. I hope we can just play that small part and 
I certainly appreciate all the support we've had. It's been amazing. A massive amount of positive people. And Absolutely. you know, you put it out there and it comes back to you. That's it. That's why uh whatever. That's it, folks. We love the fuck out of you. That's all we're trying to Much say. Much love. And a bunch of fancy words. It's just really this. Mwah! And a hug. Mwah! We love you. Check me out on Facebook. I'm super active on there. So if you want to talk to me, hit me up on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Warrior Poet US. I love and you guys. Twitter, it's uh, Warrior Poet US on Twitter as exactly. well. Exactly. All right, you freaks. We love the shit out of you. And we will uh, see you soon. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.